Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Contra Gentiles Season 2, Episode 14, Big 50. Truth will essentially just reveal itself to the Quit being a fag. Nice. Nice. Fifty feels cool. It does. That's a lot. Fifty is nifty. <laughs> no, it's just we we we. How many times <laughs> have we said that we were gonna do? We yes, were gonna I like know. <laughs> the Jews and their pies. <laughs> the Jews and their pies. That. <laughs> anyway, right. um, so what we're gonna have first? So the wine. No, oh, this oh. one. I don't want. Okay. To. Um, so for the 50th, which is a cool number, mm-hmm. I wanted to get a cool wine. So I got the Sea Phantom, the Monterey. I think it's the same year, 2018. Other one might've been 2017. If oh, I remember, okay. maybe. Yeah, but I this was, this was our favorite, favorite. wine of okay. that, that history was... of the, in the history of the pod so far. Oh, okay. Um, it's not cheap, but it's also not like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So listener, if you want to have a nice Pinot with something good, some cashews or something, <laughs> <laughs> Sea Phantom might be the one. Um, can you pour it for yes, us? Because we didn't have... It's really, really hard to podcast mm-hmm. without a woman here to pour the wine while we talk. I gave you a really generous pour. I saw that. Did you see my mom's pours, first of all? Mm-hmm. They were little baby pours. I know they were. <laughs> Protestant pours. <laughs> the prop pours? Yeah. Protestant <laughs> pours. You pour it in shame and drink it in your closet. Oh, she doesn't drink in shame. She just doesn't have a gauge. <laughs> I really don't think that people understand how much alcohol it takes to actually be dumb. Yeah, I think so. Like you can drink a bottle of wine over the... Oh, my Lord. Thank you. Are you just That's splitting it all up? Yeah, fine, well, huh? there's still some more in there. Okay. It's the 50th, right? It's the 50th. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going past the wine. It's been a long week, so. Yeah, actually. Same. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. That is good. Mm. It's my favorite Pinot. Mm -hmm. It's light as a Pinot should be, but also flavorful. I have to remember it. Well, it's going to be up here now, so I'll remember it. So whenever I buy some at home, I'm probably going to get some. If you have a special occasion or something. Mm -hmm. Or just a Sunday. Sundays are always special. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they sell it at Fred Meyer. I don't know where else they. Mm. I've never. I haven't seen it at cars or anything. Yeah. An oak and keg. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I saw it at the Brown Jug either. Is it La Bodega? No. No. Okay. They have a rotating thing at La Bodega. So, mm. so I can tell you guys something interesting. You know, I've had shoulder issues. I just wanted to show you. Um, I had a. I work with physical therapists. Mm-hmm. And I was just asking them, and they had me do all like these like stretches to like figure out what was wrong. Yeah. And they were like, "Okay, stick your arm out. Now put it back. Look this way, and then turn your ah." <laughs> <laughs> and because it's the median nerve goes from right here all the way down through your hand. Mm. And they were like trying to figure out if it was a muscle ah muscle or a nerve issue. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad anymore. But the first time I did, it, I like yelled. Really? Yes, really? because right, it's like. I don't know if it's, it's so if you like my shoulders are more even now too. Cause I've been doing the, you remember when my shoulder was like up like that? Mm. Yeah. That looks like a familiar grant pose. Actually. Yes. Like, so, <laughs> um, especially the past couple of years I've been, have, I've had such a tense shoulder, especially right here. The muscle was getting like knotted mm. that my, if I were to go like this, it would be like that. Like my shoulder was that much higher, mm. but oh. now it's like down again since yeah, I've been yeah. doing this for like two minutes every day. So the and stretch the helps the nerve or. Yeah, if the stretch is like you're stretching the muscle around the nerve and also the nerve flex yeah. stretches out. 
Okay. I don't really know how it works, but yeah. I've never heard of a nerve stretch. Me like either, nerve, yeah. There are nerve yeah. stretches. Mm-hmm. And um, now I have less shoulder pain. It's easier to sleep. I could hardly sleep. It would hurt so bad at night sometimes. Oh, shit, really? And now the pressure point isn't, like, excruciating. Hmm. Like one of how the, does one get nerve I have no idea. Problems. I don't know anything about that. I just know that it was yeah. a nerve problem, and now I'm... I think, I, think, I think a lot of times it's not caused by something. You're just... It just happens. Well, like, it's like if you sleep wrong, and then the nerve gets inflamed, and then the muscle does a thing, and mm. then it's just like a cycle of, like... Mm. Or like maybe you like I'm um, working in the kitchen like when you're up like this all the time yeah. like that would mm-hmm. give me issues. I played guitar forever and I had really heavy guitars and it was causing me issues on my shoulder, mm. etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so do we need to talk about the Biden thing really quick? Oh yeah. Which well, Biden I mean, thing? I don't know. I was just checking to see if mm-hmm. you guys had seen that the mass the vaccine mandate. Biden is oh, right. Any company with over 100 employees is yeah, yeah. They yeah. have to like test their employees weekly, or and it's, of course it's not set. They have to like vaccinate, yeah, or yeah. whatever. And you had just mentioned Anne Marie the Daily Wire's announcement. Yeah, about the it. Daily Wire came out and was like, "Guess what? We're not gonna do that." <laughs> right? Yeah, I remember that. I didn't really like it too much though because I I that that part where he was um we did we sit where we talked on the phone yeah where Jeremy Boring said I, I, yeah. that was stupid it was like it's it's as if he wants to appear to not be like an anti-vaxxer or too oh, yeah. gung-ho so what he so what he said specifically is he said he's like blah 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 I well but I actually like vaccines mm-hmm. and if I were a dictator I'd probably make you get it but it's I'm like what's what's the point in saying that like, what's yeah the, what's I, the what what point are you making I think the point simply is he wants to present himself as not being some kind of right-wing radical but he I don't think he is. Though. I think that's kind of what bothers me about him and Ben Shapiro is that they always they want to. They take the more libertarian bent. They do, yeah. Which means yeah. not radical. Right. Yes, the more yeah. moderate, quote unquote. Yeah. And, and so it, 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 I mean, just, it's stupid to say that if you were a dictator, you would mandate that. It's just like, well, what, what really is it then? Because if you really did love it that strongly, why then are you pissed that somebody's mandating it? Yeah. It just, I'm just, right, just because legally it goes against the Constitution, that's a, that's a stupid reason. Because you're telling me that fundamentally you think it's a good thing to mandate something because if you were in that position to be a dictator, you would, you would mandate. do it. Right. Right. And so it isn't that you actually so are what, believing if that's in it. That's the thing is it's like, mm-hmm. okay, if you, if you enjoy the idea of manning vaccines so much that you would mandate it as a dictator... Why is, is it just you don't like that guy? I know, that's like, what it seems this, like to me, right, yeah. You just don't like Biden, and, but if it wasn't Biden, you'd still be fine with it. And like, Yeah, and so it, it seems weird then to defend the Constitution, it seems weird to defend anything if you're, if you're not really agreeing with it. You're just agreeing with it because you're quote-unquote conservative. Mm-hmm. That just seems kind of stupid. It seems disingenuous to me, mm-hmm. right? Because like I, I'm openly a theocrat. And so because of that, I do think that there should be more of a powerful church and state relationship and that there only should be one religion allowed in it. So, yeah. so, so in my overall position, I'm not, uh, I never claim to be um, in accordance with everything that the U.S. Constitution or the ethos of America really presents. Yeah. But he's not that way. He he tries to he tries to defend the American ethos constantly. And so in that's that, why the Catholics on the Daily Wire are better. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Like, yeah, right? I'm yeah. Theocrat. yeah, I'm an authoritarian. Thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the authoritarian moment. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it, I like how Michael turned that um, 
the Ben Shapiro title, the authoritarian moment, on its head by constantly saying, yeah, that's going to be my campaign. Yeah, slogan. I know. It's hilarious. And I wonder if that really irritates Ben I think Shapiro. I does. Yeah. <laughs> really, really like Because you know he's doing it on purpose. Yes, yeah. It's beautiful. I think it also irritates him because I, I think Michael Knowles is much more careful in his, in his thinking and in his writing. Mm-hmm. And it probably shows. I think a lot of people will kind of notice that. Mm-hmm. It seems like to me, anyways, it, it, it seems like Ben, ben Shapiro probably could whip out a book much quicker, but it's like Shapiroisms. He whips them out so quickly. Yeah, they do. But yeah, like, I tried to read some of his work, and I actually don't think it's that good. I mean, academically speaking, it's it's very it's very. Uh, it's probably very thoroughly researched. It isn't though. That's a, that's a thing. It, it's it's very surface, mm. and and I, I think someone like Michael knows is actually more thorough in his research and gets more into the history and gets more into the ideas of language, gets more into ideas of everything. And Ben Shapiro normally is a is a it's a decent criticism of, of whatever he's trying to critique, but I, but it's um. It to me it just seems more like a surface research, like the kind of research you would do. Yeah, as, I think as, I meant like. He probably has more sources. Like he'd he'd get like a bunch of different stuff. Probably, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really like look look in in that sense, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too impressed with Shapiro's way of researching or, or intellect. Um, I I think I'm much more impressed with Knowles, uh, mm-hmm. his ability to kind of read text and interpret them properly and and give a a more thorough explanation. While I think Ben Shapiro's, it, it just it just seems like it's always pretty surface. He never gets into the heart of the problem right well because he doesn't want to pontificate at all he doesn't want to make anyone feel like do you think there's consideration of like marketability and when he's writing something yeah i think so Probably. i think that's probably like you just kind of appeal to not necessarily the lowest common denominator but like yeah i think that's a big part of it but the also layman. like i remember when he went through this kick when he was reading edward phaser and then there were times where he, I don't know if you remember these times, yeah. And then he tried to reformulate Didn't Faze's he, um, arguments. He debated Sam bad. Harris or something about yeah, it. Yeah. And it was just really bad. And it's like you, he, he's, it's, I'm trying to articulate it as, as best as I could, but it's like he's really good when it comes to surface level ideas like he's able to connect the dots really rapidly he's a quick thinker well he's good he's great like, inductive really reasoning thinker, yeah. yeah like regards to legal stuff too Le- yes like the law definitely like he's really really good at that but when you you know but if you were to ask him further like and i had some students like him before actually to be to be to be honest i, I believe they were jews as well so there's like this weird like quick way that the jews think um, which goes to this. Okay, so we, we just but, segue after yeah, this. But, but hold on. But <laughs> when you ask them just a deeper question, like why is that the case, they kind of tend to fumble their explanation. And I think that really showed in that, um, in that back, the last backstage, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so yes, good. It really, really showed the difference between like a Knowles type of intellect, which gets to the heart of it. He probably can't spit but out as much. But it's also slower. It is. And he can't spit out as much facts as... Shapiro does. I think Shapiro's mind just absorbs facts so much that he's just able to spit out dates and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Knowles has the same kind of mentality, but his explanation is much more thorough and and it, and it's much more, um, I think, deep. Like he he gets at the ideas more, while Shapiro kind of always counters with maybe a counterfactual, 
And he and then he, he can't count as quickly with other examples and facts, but he doesn't get to the heart of the problem ever. It's just a, it's a, well, it's a debate kid kind of yeah yeah um, tactic yeah, yeah pretty much. And so that, that's that's kind of what I, what I see the dynamic with with someone like him. And so even when I have students that way, I try to push them further. I'm like, yes, but why is that the case? I know that is that. But the hey, case, hey but slow down, slow down. Yes, yeah, yeah. Stay but, here for a second. Yes, and, and let's figure out what, <laughs> what, what what is the what, what is the issue here? What is the heart of the problem? Yeah. And, 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 and so that's why I like that backstage. I think it really displayed that really well. What was it called again? It was my favorite Fall one. Fall Afghanistan or yeah. something, or something like that? It was the favorite one. The, my, the best I think it's actually worth listening for most people. Yeah. Like if you want to just hear people talk about Afghanistan yeah. or something. Just... And then there's Matt Walsh who isn't that smart. But, but is really funny. But he's really <laughs> funny and he's on the right side of truth. Yes. And so even though he's he's not going to be as educated as as like Shapiro and mm-hmm. and Knowles are, he's at least on the right side. So he's still correct with his form. Well, his blunt he has like a like a a blunt force way of arguing points and stuff and like same things, does, which yeah. like works really well. Yeah. And he's correct. And that's the thing. And and so it's the fact that he's correct. Still, I think puts him on on a different level. And then you have the mm. old man, Clavin. Clavin, yeah. I like Clavin. I, I love yeah. I love during that thing how he kept um saying no no Michael no, was he'd be right. like he'd be like no 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 no, no, no. Mike he's right about this yeah no, he's like, <laughs> he kept doing that every but time. he never did it with Shapiro he, he just kept, no, yes. no 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 Michael Michael's yeah. right about this Michael's and, right and about I like this. him because he's kind of almost like that old wise figure I love him yeah that that's able to take in all the information he would be fun to talk to oh yeah, I he think he definitely would. I think I think out of everybody on the Daily Wire, he would be the one that I'll, I'll probably get along with the best. The best because there's an irreverence you can tell. Like, is, I think yes. he's cleaned himself up, but you can tell there was a yeah. He was rough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you could tell. He also has the the shaved head thing, which I appreciate. But um, yeah, yeah, we can bond over that. And he's not puritanical, and that's what I like about him. No. He's he even. His, I think he's an evangelical. He's weird. Anglican. Yes, he's he's, he's Anglican. I, think, I thought he was Anglican. I don't know what he is. He never really says exactly. I like that though. Yeah. Is C.S. Lewis Anglican? Yeah. I, I have know, no I don't idea. Know. He was a type of Protestant. I can't remember what kind. I have, I, but he was whatever it is that's closest to Catholic that they yeah, still the, have Anglican. pretty much the same mm-hmm. liturgy the way that it's. Yeah, like Anglicans right are pretty now. similar, aren't they? Yeah, they're going to be the closest. <sighs> well. Speaking of Jews, can I ask you to do something really annoying really quick? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jews, um, can you point the microphone towards your mouth again? There okay. you go. And pack it off just a tiny bit. There you go. <laughs> okay. I just, okay. Yeah. It's a, we're learning proper mic posture still 50 episodes in. 50 um, episodes in. <laughs> maybe comment on the lighting. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah we've Because um, we, people are watching. They're like, why does it look different? We've yeah. these um, LED lights that are quite cool and nice, and they do multicolor, and we were experimenting before recording and thought we might uh, do a Blade Runner really theme cool. or something. <laughs> Change the aesthetic a little. Yeah, okay, we need the, we what, need the synths What other stuff. question were you going to ask about the... The Jews? Yeah. I was going to transition. Okay. Do you want to? Yeah. Because we're good. Do we have anything else to say? Do you have any memories, anything cool happening for you or... No, I mean, I was going to remark when you were talking about your nerve thing. Oh, do it, yeah. The cool thing that came out of being in a car accident is that I get to go to the chiropractor now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All the physical therapists I work with hate chiropractors. Really? No, it's, apparently there's a beef. I love it so much. Really? I feel so much That's better. That's because it's like a drug. And they yeah. were like, and they Actually, were like, their criticism. So many people is. have said that now, like, 
Mm-hmm. They're just addicting. Like you just get. Yeah. So, so what's yeah. this is funny. Uh, it's the same thing with like psychologists and stuff. It's, so, it's not really to cure you. It's to. So this is what physical therapists say is they yeah. all say, okay, so we're physical therapists and our job is to figure out what your problem is, help you exercise muscles or whatever, like bend joints, all of that, strengthen your legs, arms, yeah. all that. And then when you're done, we discharge you when we're done. Yes. And a chiropractor will somehow discover a way to turn you into a lifelong patient yep. where you have to, t- you have to pay them forever. Yeah. That's what I say all the time. <laughs> I was People like, get really pissed at me too. When I, when I point that out i was like no it's it's a marketing thing they give you great massages they find ways to make you feel good and then you want more and it does feel good and it's yeah. it's it feels so effective because there's noises that, come, <laughs> that get made yeah yeah, yeah like yeah. oh my gosh yeah yeah and they're like oh now yeah i feel a little tension down here Wait, you know this really? part is wor- working really well but now we got to work on this lower back and they do that <laughs> they turn you into a lifelong yeah. patient whereas like the therapists will just I'm, I'm yes, ready. Yeah, yeah. I yeah like, you just want to yes. marry a chiropractor. <laughs> but you should do that. You should you should go day. you should go to all the chiropractic clinics in <laughs> town and find one who will marry you. Yeah, yeah. I think chiropractics and uh, and psychologists are the same. They both just want to make you lifelong patients. It isn't about like healing anything. It's because about, there's no there's no. It's like you can't perfect the body. There's always something wrong with it. Yeah, you can't so, perfect yeah. the mind. There's always something wrong. Yes. With it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, today. We are finally discussing at length Sir Martin Luther's uh, On the Jews and Their Lives. <laughs> and I know we've mentioned it many times. We yes. said we were going to do it for the 50th episode. Yeah. I have a question on yeah. this, though. Yeah. Is this something that is, was that hard to find? Like, is it a publication um, that's tried to, like... No, they sell it on Amazon. Swept they under do. the rug? They sell a copy of it on Amazon. Really? Yeah, and they normally... Yeah, they, I think you can find, like, individual ones, but normally you find it in a, an anthology. Do you think pastors that study, like... Know about theology it? Theology no. um, have to read the Jews in their lives? I th- can I tell you what I think happens as a Protestant? And I've experienced... I've talked to people about you, this. Okay, yeah. Because um, your mom didn't know about it until She... I think that at most, on average the majority of Protestants know that Martin Luther was not a fan of the Jews. I don't think they, they hear that and they're like, Oh, okay. Well then that was a part of him that was broken as we're all broken and blah, blah, blah. And the whole thing, you know, so they just kind of let it be like, Oh, he's human too. But the whole thing, but they don't read it (laughs) Yeah, they should. because (laughs) this is, it's a little bit different than we thought it was going to be. And I want to hear your comments on it specifically because mm-hmm. you had, that was your initial impression, but um, yeah, it's like a screed against the Jews. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. is, I know we've read little, I don't remember if it was the Denali Mac episode or mm-hmm. something or whatever, whichever one it was, what we recorded where there was like two minutes of breathless laughter. We could not breathe. <laughs> <laughs> we were like drunk at that point, but like yes, it was yeah, yeah. one of the funniest things I've ever read. But yeah. also like, I, you cannot interpret it as anything but like he he had hatred for them. Like he, yeah. I don't. I, I should. I'm gonna look it up while Jeremy's um talking about his impression was, of it. It was, it was funny because I was remarking to Grant that the whoever like edited edited it or put it together mm-hmm. said something like, "To be clear." Martin yeah. Luther would have totally welcomed them had they converted with open arms. It's like, I don't so, think... so let's contrast this. So, so yeah, what I this know, says, yeah. what this says specifically, 
At the beginning of his career, it is often said that Luther was apparently sympathetic to Jewish resistance to the Catholic Church. He wrote early in his career, the Jews are blood relations of our Lord. If it were proper to boast of flesh and blood, the Jews belong more to Christ than we. I beg, therefore, my dear Papist, if you become tired of abusing me, Papist, sorry. Papist sounds like a pap smear. Papist. (laughs) If you become tired of abusing me as a heretic, that you begin to revile me as a Jew. (laughs) However, sometime before 1517 in his letters to Spalatine, whoever that is, we can already see that Luther's hatred of Jews, best seen in his in this 1543 letter was not some affection of old age, but was present very early on. Luther expected Jews to convert to his purified Christianity. When they did not, he turned violently against them. (laughs) It is impossible for modern people to read the horrible passages below and not think of the burning of synagogues in November, 1938 on Kristallnacht, nor would one wish to excuse Luther for this text. A number of points, however, be made. The most important concerns, the language used. Luther used violent and vulgar language throughout his career. He was not a man, he was not a man to say manure when he meant shit. We do not expect religious figures to use this sort of language in the modern world, but it was not uncommon in the early 16th century. Second, although Luther's comments seem to be proto-Nazi, I will read that again. Second, although Luther's comments seem to be proto-Nazi, they are better seen as part of tra- the tradition of the medieval church, churches um, or Christian anti-Semitism. Well, there is little doubt that Christian anti-Semitism laid the social and constructural basis for modern anti-Semitism. Modern anti-Semitism does differ in being based on pseudo-scientific notions of race. The Nazis imprisoned Jews and ki- or imprisoned and killed Jews who had converted to Christianity. Luther would have welcomed them. Luther would have. And then I what does he say? Them. What's the funny? There was like one funny thing I. I love that. Furthermore, even if the Jews were seven times blinder than they are, if that were possible. (laughs) I need to find the one. I like underlined a specific thing that we had read. I just want this listener, keep in mind what was just said, that that Luther would have readily accepted the Jews. Had had they they converted converted to his purified version of Christianity. (laughs) His purified version. Yeah. The next, just take this. So he would have accepted them had they converted a person who is unacquainted with the devil might wonder why they are so particularly hostile towards Christians. They have no reason to act this, act this way since we show them every kindness. They live among us, enjoy our shield and protection. They use our country and our highways, our markets and streets. Meanwhile, our princes and rulers sit there and snore with mouths hanging open and permit the Jews to take, steal, and rob from their open money bags and treasures wherever they, whatever they want. That is, they let the Jews, by means of their usury, skin, and fleece them and their subjects and make them beggars with their own money. For the Jews who are exiles should really have nothing, and whatever they have just surely be our property. They do not work, and they do not earn anything from us, nor do we give or present it to them, and yet they are in possession of our money and goods and and are our masters in our own country in their exile. A thief is condemned to hang for the theft of ten florins, and if he robs anyone on the highway, he forfeits his head. But when a Jew steals and robs ten tons of gold through his usury, he is more highly esteemed steamed than God himself. <laughs> and it's like you can't read that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and yeah. It was just like amazing. And the other part of the um of that intro that just blatantly false it says that it's more of related to the anti Semitism in the medieval period. period. And that's not true. Because a lot of this is nationalism. A lot of this is about how the Jews overtook Germany and Austria. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think it, this is actually the beginnings of what you find, especially when you see influences through Feuerbach 
ultimately to Nietzsche, Marx, and then what you saw with Hitler. So, Can I read another yeah, thing? Yeah. This is a little bit long too, but if you cannot tolerate a person in a country or home, does that constitute holding him in captivity? In fact, they hold us Christians captive in our own country. They let us work in the sweat of our brow oh to earn gosh. money and property while they sit behind the stove, idle away the time, fart, and roast pears. <laughs> they, <laughs> they stuff themselves, guzzle, and live in luxury and ease from our hard-earned goods. With their accursed usury, they hold us and our property captive. Moreover, they mock and deride us because we work and let them play the role of lazy squires at our expense in our land. Thus they are our masters, and we are their servants with our property our sweat and our labor by and by the by way of reward and thanks they curse our lord and us should the devil not laugh and dance if he can enjoy such a fine paradise at the expense of us christians he devours what is ours through his saints the jews and repays <laughs> repays us by insulting us in addition to mocking and cursing both god and man Indeed, we have captured them and hold them in captivity, just as they, I hold captive my gallstones, my bloody tumor, and all the other <laughs> ailments and misfortunes, which I have to nurse and take care of with money and goods and all that I have. Alas, I wish that they were in Jerusalem with the Jews and whomever else they would like to have there. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't even like... <laughs> it's just like the whole thing is really Yeah, like I know. And so do you know, because I'm the one that told you about this text, yes. and do you, do you know how I ran into it? How do you, how? And so um, a, a large part, uh, I was just researching a lot of these German thinkers, just because I was kind of curious about how far back some of these uh, like anti-Semitical ideas went to. And this is the first text that I could find that was published that wrote about them this way like mm. this, like maybe the sentiment existed in his time already mm -hmm. but this was basically the first text the pioneering text of thinking of the jews in this way yeah i mean and, if you yes if you've already stuck it to the papists yes i know roman catholic church yeah. why not go after the jews and, and, and so it seems like um like this hatred of the jews really did boil in in that area of, of europe for at least 500 years before mm -hmm. it, it it happened in its fulfillment with mm -hmm. with with nazism and, and when you when you listen to it it's a lot of similar to um you know uh, the rhetoric of uh, of hitler yep yeah and and also the sentiments of nietzsche and, and nietzsche you know his both both his his father and his grandfather were Lutheran ministers, and so it's it's already embedded, I think, in that culture from Martin Luther. And you and you read this, yeah, you could take an excerpt and, and think that is from Nietzsche or Hitler or Hitler. Like, like, you really can, Hitler. yeah. There's yeah, there there really it's is. It's written better than Hitler writes, but um, yeah. <laughs> so it's really funny, is like in this thing. And, or you know what, your comments first. Um, you said that it was different than you thought it would be. Yes. And but so, I didn't want you to expand because I wanted to hear it here. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, when I first encountered it, I didn't really read it thoroughly all the way through. Mm -hmm. I just kind of like skimmed through it and saw some of those funny parts and everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, reading more through, I mean, it was, it begins a lot of um, trying to denounce the way that uh, the Jews were interpreting scripture. And you, and you kind of have to remember the Jews of this time period too, right? And so like the old Jews are gone. They're, they've been dead for years. You know, there, there's no more temple. There's no more sacrificing of the lamb. Um, there's no Holocaust. There's none of that. And so the Jews of, of old have already been dead. 
And so now you have to think about, you know, this new Jewish religion that had to continue to exist after the, the, the collapse of, of the temple. And so a lot of them did historically read the New Testament, for example. They weren't, mm. they weren't denying the existence of the, of the New Testament, but they were beginning to interpret it differently. They were interpreting it very similarly to the Mohammedans. And he references um, the Mohammedans here as well in, in this text. And, and so like the, the Jews of the new... Uh, of the new age in, in the in a me- medieval world um, were constituted as heretical Christians. And they were constituted as heretical Christians because they were adopting many of the Christian texts, but, but Jewifying them, you know, like changing its, its way of doing. Um, they were changing it, it, their mode of, of worship and everything because they're not doing Holocaust anymore. The priesthood was dead. There is no more Jewish priesthood that, that existed in, in, um, of, of the old. And so they were kind of reformulating and, and reinventing their religion. And so I think a lot of his attacks against them was of that. Like he 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 didn't think of himself as a heretic. Because so I'm trying to remember yeah. exactly. There were several arguments that he so. One of his main his first argument was um. Well, the bloodline was the bloodline yes. was yeah. of the it doesn't you you are you are not special in the eyes of God because you're born of a certain lineage. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um. And there was much he had to say about. I wish I, it's like I needed to like take this thing and like copy and paste. He said essentially like they're, they're not made, they're not special because they're born of a certain lineage. Right. And even if Christ himself or what they, they would crucify 10 messiahs that told them so just to save their pride kind of thing. Like, yes, pretty much. (laughs) Which is incredible. Yeah. The second was the circumcision thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I don't well, know. I don't know much. He also had a good chunk in the beginning about how they they've been they've obviously been been abandoned by God. Yes, like and why nobody you... nobody would continue to like stick in this faith had they been so abandoned and left desolate. It's like you've suffered yeah. catastrophically for fifteen hundred years, and, and like yes. you think you think God still loves you, and you've suffered Which is for this such long. A weird yeah. point to make. It is. I know. And, but but that, that, that's kind of why he's making that point. Like as and, if and, you, as if you're owed consolation, or as if. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so, I mean, maybe, maybe that's that that's part of the beginnings of the prosperity gospel. The idea that you know that Protestants kind of hold that if God, if you were loved by God, that you wouldn't suffer. Is it Calvinism? Uh, I think it, it. I mean, you could you could find it in Lutheranism as well, but I think ultimately the the contemporary form that you find with Joel Alstein yeah, is probably closer Those to stupid Calvin. radios. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 closer Clock to Calvinism. Radios. Yeah, yeah, but but that, that but that, that is that is an interesting point that he already kind of has that in his heretical. Faith. He literally does an entire. I know he an does, entire yes. portion. Yeah, of the text. I, I, I don't know. I just read that and I was struck by it's it. It's weird. Like, yeah, it, I thought that was weird. Like, I have to find he wrote if if. The our Savior, if if God incarnate had mm-hmm. to suffer such a horrible death and right. was, you know, desolate in the last moments of his life, mm-hmm. why would we ever expect that adopting that religion would afford us some sort of consolation and prosperity? Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, it's not Catholic. One argument yeah. that he made that I thought was actually kind of interesting mm-hmm. was um. If lineage does, if lineage matters above all, why was it not Ishmael 
instead of Isaac. Right, and that's where it got mm. into the certain decision like, point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why would Ishmael not have inherited the kingdom of God and not Isaac? Yeah, you yeah. Know? Because Ishmael was born like, what, 30 years earlier or something? Right, it was a very yes. long time before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was circumcised too. Because there's many arguments in yes, here that he, yeah. like are practically correct about like the circumcision yeah. thing. It's like, well, people don't need to be circumcised. Yes. Yeah. What is the Catholic view on circumcision? I have no idea. Yeah, it's so not necessary. Yeah, it's not necessary. So Catholics aren't circumcised? Nope. No. I mean, Why like, are I, I think a lot of people are just yeah, for cultural clean, cleanliness for yeah, and for cultural. Clean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just for clean purposes, just because, I don't know. You don't have to clean the foreskin, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess it's sort of, pra- I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't know. You would know better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something I thought was actually very poetic that he said, I don't want to necessarily... He called them a prophet murdering people because instead of he was making an argument that instead of the Jews physically killing prophets, Mm -hmm. now they torture them spiritually by destroying their legacies and misinterpreting Mm. them. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) That sounds good. That that was another critique of them. that They're bloodthirsty. He said that. The most important thing that they expect of their Messiah is that he will murder and kill the entire world with their sword. They treat us yes, Christians yeah. in this manner at the very beginning. Throughout all the world, they would still do, like to do this if they had the power and often have made the attempt for which they have gotten their snouts boxed lustily. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well written. <laughs> like I read it and I'm like, okay. It's, it's like yeah. it's like well. Honestly, I think if he was alive today, he would be like a Twitter troll. He I know. Would yeah, be. he just he likes to egg people on, and he's very vulgar. But but and the, I found the excerpts. That the I introduction read. is correct, where it said that the medieval writers were much more vulgar. Yes, and and so he, even Aquinas in, in Culture Gentilis, he, I mean, he he pokes fun at the at the opposing side quite quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, it, like, it makes me laugh out loud at times. And mm-hmm. so, like, it, it, it's it's definitely true that they were they're 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 much more vulgar and humorous and. And it's what, um, you know, I, I guess like when I normally argue, I'm the same. I was going to say like us. Yes, like us. Yeah. Is that shirt new? Uh, I know. I bought it like a month or two ago. So yes. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. It looks So good. do you think that <laughs> I just noticed this, this text might've been a significant root in German anti-Semitism I do, that yes. culminated in Yeah, I, I do think that I think that sentiment existed there mm-hmm. even prior to the text, but I think this text solidified it because this was unified with the religion of the uh, of the Germans. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then when you have Lutheranism and you had these other splintering um, Protestant sects from it, it began to influence the thinking of many of those Germans. Mm-hmm. And, and and you really do see that with um uh, with the writings that came directly after this. So as yeah. far as you know, mm-hmm. did the Italians ever hate Jews in the way that Germans did? Not in the same I wonder way. if the Spanish he did. spoke about the Italians. So this yeah. is another thing I wanted to bring up. Yeah. I wanted to find exactly where I, I had highlighted a ton of this. Yeah. Which isn't helpful because I didn't write notes about why I was highlighting it. So <laughs> to read it again every time. He wrote about Turks... Greeks, yep. Italians, Italians. Mm-hmm. Papists. It's not just the Jews. I know it is. He's yeah. throwing everybody else under the bus at the same time. And he goes, the Jew is much like the Turks. And yes, then says yeah. some horrible thing about how they're all devils or something. Like, yes, yeah. Um, he says something about Plato. Oh, uh, yeah. He was saying um, that the... That the um, 
the prayer that the Jews were making, like, thank God, I'm a, I'm a man, not a, or an animal, or a, a human, not an animal, a man, not a woman, and a Jew, not a Gentile, yeah. was borrowed from Plato, who would pray much the same, thank God, I'm a man, not an animal, a man, not a woman, and a Greek, not a non-Greek, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah. Which, what's the problem with that? Like what's what's the problem for exalting I think God was, for making you the way you are? I think that he was just pointing out that they were borrowing that from Plato that that wasn't that wasn't like a Jew thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and I do think a lot of his points in that in historically, and I think it's easier to understand if people understand the history of the of the Jews after the fall of of the. Um, of the temple mm-hmm. is because they did start borrowing many things. They were influenced by many of them. They became nomadic at some point, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't have a home mm-hmm. and then, then they suffered. And so they, you know, like the famous narratives with, with the Khazarian people adopting their religion and, 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 and influencing it with, with, with their, um, with their behavior and everything. And, and you look at the modern Jew, you take anybody who says, I'm a conservative, you know, acidic Jew or whatever. Um, they don't practice really the same things that the people in the Old Testament did. Mm. It's it's this new... This is the thing. To me, yeah. the one question I've heard asked that I think is actually kind of cogent yeah. is the reason Christians do not practice actual blood sacrifice is because Christ died. Right. Yeah. Yes, he if was the Jews do not sacrifice. actually believe that Christ was the Messiah, why do they not sacrifice animals exactly, regularly? Yeah. It's because, yeah, the, their religion went through a lot of evolution. It, it didn't remain Sterilization the is the word I would use. Okay, yes, yeah. And it just began to adopt other things. And maybe I like a lot of Jews in my life. Yeah, of course, ster- yes. It's a sterilized, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a, the way they practice their religion is tailored to the way to not offend in a way. Yeah. Because I think that, and it, it, it really does just appear to be a heresy of Christianity. And yeah. I really think that's probably the best way to view it. It's the same Is that thing why with, Protestants and Jews agree on everything? They do, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the same thing with um, with, the with, with, with the Mohammedans. I mean, it's like the Mohammedans really are just a defected, um, heretical Christian faith. Uh, and, and so it's... Um, so essentially, after the, the collapse of the temple and after the death of Christ and the beginning of the church, that was the continuation of the Old Testament. And then everything else that rejected it began to be heresies of that continued faith. I think that's just historically true. That doesn't mean that um, one has to believe in the faith, but just historically when you're analyzing it, that is the development of Christianity, that, that, that it continued. So mine. Yeah. yeah, mine's on the floor. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was the Christianity um, was the continuation of, of the Old Testament along with the apostles and, and the apostolic fathers and everything. And then the, and then the Jews pretty much kind of died out. There was, like I said, there's no lineage of their priesthood. You know, the Le- the, was that the Levites? Was the Levites? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're they're all dead. <laughs> like literally, it's like so. What are what is it that you are practicing then? You're, you're right because not, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. It, just just imagine if the church literally collapsed and there's no more popes and there's no more priests and there's no more bishops. That lineage just completely died out. Mm-hmm. And then there's people still running around What's saying that the... I am Catholic. It's like I mean, you're not. It's it's done. What's the status right now of like uh, Jews in the uh, 
the Judaism in the eyes of Catholicism? Was there hmm. like a prophecy at Fatima about? I don't know too much about that one, actually. I was trying to remember yeah. what what sort of relation we had or if there was an expectation yeah. that something in Fatima. I mean, there yeah. are a couple things that happened. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it, it's weird so, because it, they've also gotten mixed. I mean, before you couldn't be converted to Judaism, mm-hmm. right? Well, that was what was weird about this was he was saying things that alluded to Jews converting Christians, no, like that's converting them. That, that, that's what it means because then later on, mm-hmm. like if you if you if you're talking about like the days of Abraham, mm-hmm. the days of the Old Testament, you weren't able just to convert to Judaism. Right, but then do. after the collapse of the priesthood, after the after the collapse of the temple, they they changed. And then one of the first groups of people they, they converted was the Khazars people. And so this, this began a new phase in the religion where, no, we do accept converts. That it is no longer about just the bloodline. There is like a faith in which but you kind of I mean, to even today, it's, it's I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm just not aware of it, but maybe that's to the point that, like, there doesn't seem to be a huge evangelization movement within there isn't the yeah there, there isn't a huge evangelization movement but you can become jewish yeah but i mean i'd imagine that it's usually done if you marry a jew so it's kind of mm-hmm. still done uh, yeah I, I, I would and say it's m- almost like most your children the, only your children can be yeah. actually jewish yeah no, but you could convert to Judaism. Now. I know, but yeah, you, you, yeah, I mean, I've now, had now Jews you, explain it to me. It's like yeah. you can only really be like capital J Jewish if, if your mother if is, your a mom's Jew is a Jew. And, no, I know, and, and and this is what I mean though is that they had to make room for conversion when because they were all dead. Yes, yes, because they were all dead and they had no <laughs> home, and 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 so um, and so when when nations said, "I will give you a home," they were like, "Okay," and then you could become Jewish. And that's essentially how the idea of conversion to Judaism existed. While prior, it just wasn't the case. Like you were born into it right. through a bloodline and only in that way are you Jew. And I mean, it, it's still... And then the rest were just Gentiles. Tied to that sort of understanding no, of the, the, family. Can you, they, they are loosely, but not strictly. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. I mean, like... Christians going no, I, I, to I evangelize. Agree with you. I, I you don't agree have you. to get married to a Christian. Yes, and and and, Christian. and I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there that, that there isn't the same idea of mission. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the, the idea of Christianity having a mission is because there's Christ mm-hmm. and you're supposed to spread the gospel, the good mm-hmm. news that, that your sins have already been bled for and been sacrificed for. And so there, there's a reason why in the Christian faith there is the need for um, uh, for for missionary work, mm-hmm. and as before that, for the Jews, it isn't because it it's there is no salvation yet, right? And I think many Jews now don't even believe in hell. I'm pretty sure I've even heard Shapiro say that one time. He was well, like, I'm, I'm been, I'm I've Jew. been told I don't even know. I really yeah. don't know what you're talking about because I've been told that mm-hmm. Jews don't believe in hell. They don't, right? Yeah, yes. that, that, yeah, that, I've been that, told that. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Yeah, huh. that's what I said. They don't there believe in hell. There now. isn't a theological concept of hell. Yeah. While in the past they did, the, the the Old Testament Jews did. They believed that every Gentile went to hell. What about Gehenna? What what about that? Well, just references that Christ made in the New Testament mm-hmm. about going to Gehenna, about suffering, about. No, I know, but the Jews don't believe in that. Mm. Yeah, at least the contemporary Jews do. 
And yeah, so and this so, is going to yeah. be inflammatory, and I don't mean it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jews I know personally tend to have an equivalent understanding of the theological basis of their religion to like Mormons. Like mm-hmm. Mormons understand just about as much as their theology as Jews do. And I don't mean that to say that Jews are the same as Mormons or as dumb as they are. Yes, yeah. But um, I talk to Jews about theological, like the theological bases of their religion and stuff, yeah. and they just don't really know. So it's almost like a, yeah. an aesthetic participation uh, on a I, wide I'm scale. Saying, uh, unfortunately, it is. after Vatican II, that's the same about many Catholics. Yes, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that they're unique in that way. Yeah. Because Protestants are the same way. Yeah. But it's especially noticeable amongst Mormons mm. and then to a lesser degree Jews. Yeah. I see that Catholics at least understand the history of their church better than Jews do. I think it's getting better, but there was probably a good, even now, I think they, when they did the poll, for example, in the United States of how so many, many people don't, uh, understand transubstantiation. They don't. Yeah, at all. many of them don't understand it. Many of them don't believe in the real presence of Christ. Um, I believe it's a majority. I can't remember. The yeah, exact I think it's majority. It's, so majority. it's very Protestant in that way. Yeah, and so yeah, the, the symbolic. Yes, yeah. and I think many there's there, there's there's many ignorant Catholics out there. I would say the vast majority of them, especially in this country, are very ignorant of their faith. Um, but but to go back to the Jews, I think that um their theology just changed drastically. And, and, and that's what's different about it. And do you them. think that, do you think, mm-hmm. so is, is the Torah literally the same as the same text as the Bible, the Old Testament? Is it literally the same? Trans- I don't know. Because they say that it's just the Old Testament. It probably is. I, but I think they have a few more books. They have more books than even Christian, mm. than, the, than the Catholic Church does. I believe so. I, I don't know. I'm going I'm to yeah. look it up, but, um, or the, no, no, I think they have the same one that the Protestants do. Oh, they even took the, because yeah, that's why the, um, the Protestants adopted that one later on. I do not, I, it's really throwing me off that apparently between mm-hmm. the time that I was on Wikipedia earlier today yeah. and today they've totally changed the format. Oh, did they? Yeah. There's no windows. Oh, yeah. You pop it up here. Like that. What? I don't like that. It's almost easier to just read it, but um, I don't know how to navigate this yeah. anymore. It's been the same since I was a so, child. Yeah. For you, yeah. Sammy, but so, so the Jews had their own council. Composition. After, after the Council of Hippo. So the Jews had their own council in which then they dictated what is canon scripture. And they didn't include the seven books from my memory. And so then when, when the Protestants began to write their Bibles, they went along with a Jewish um, council. Or but is the Torah just the, what is it called? They don't have any New Testament, though. No, no, it's of the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But of the New Testament, no, but many of them do read it. And, many, and there are many Jews that do believe the general life of Christ and that there were these people, but they just don't believe that he was the Son of God. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so, so apparently, what's the first five books of the Bible called? The Pentateuch. Pentateuch, yep. It's just, that's just the Torah. It's been just first. Okay. So just the first five. Okay. And they have different names. Um, Jewish texts. I'm learning something that they only have the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. 
That seems pretty The prophet. Small. Oh, so the, the Torah is just a part of the texts. <laughs> okay. okay. So when I've been... So Pentateuch equals Torah? Yes. Okay. Hmm. But I'm trying to get a website to load. Look at her. That's so funny. Um, I'll send also that to Jeremy so we can see it. So the Talmud. Hmm. Uh, is that another one? Probably. Sorry, I... I kind of want to know what I'm talking about here. You should have Shapiro on for this episode. So I know, we should, us. yeah. He'd probably be really pissed at us. I like the vaccines. No, he would be fine because we're criticizing Luther for being so mm. horrible. Yes. To yeah. Jews. To Jews. He'd be like, I'm the no, I was the number one victim of anti-Semitism on Twitter. <laughs> In 20-whatever. Had I lived back then, Martin Luther would have been going after me. <laughs> he would have nailed all these theses yeah. to my door. Okay, so I'm really, I really don't know what the Jewish texts are. And apparently Wikipedia, Wikipedia doesn't want to just have a page about what books, what, what Jewish yeah, texts I, are. Yeah, I really don't know other texts. But I, but, um, but I do texts. remember reading about that, though. Texts. Give me just like Jewish textile industry in 16th century Safed. Just tell me what the texts are. Apparently, okay. Apparently, they like to scatter varied information. Yeah. So that's what being a Jew is in the 21st century. Well, they probably, they no, no. What being a Jew is in the like 21st comment century. Comment on one of Abby Shapiro's YouTube videos and I've ask never her. watched. Who's it. Abby Shapiro? <laughs> it's his sister. This is a sister. Oh. Looks like Ben Shapiro, but a woman. Oh. More attractive. Is she? That's well, she's mic. Jew. Jewish women tend to be attractive. Grant told me I looked like a Jewish woman one time. Did he? No, yeah. I, did I say you looked yeah, like you one? Yeah, you said you could pass for a Jew. I said you, you could pass for a Jew. That's different than saying mm. you look like a Jewish person. As a child, I was really into the Holocaust. Were you? Yeah, there were like a lot of... I was of, really into the <laughs> Really good. <laughs> the Holocaust was a total banger. <laughs> I guess when I was younger, I was really, I was really. I was, I was a Holocaust <laughs> stan as a child. No, God, no. I was really Hebrew into, Bible into Nazism. There was there was uh, like a Robin Williams oh. movie about I I can't remember what it was called. Jacob the Liar or something about that about mm. about the Holocaust. Yeah. And from then, I was just like totally fascinated by everything that they went through. And I okay, sorry, yeah. the Torah is, is is three sections, and it is all of the. Oh, okay. Um, it does not include the apocrypha, quote unquote. Yes, yeah, that, that's what I was telling you. That's because, very weird. Because they, they had a council after the, the Catholic. I want to talk about your fat, your fanhood of the, the Holocaust yeah, or whatever yeah. you want. I'm not a fan want. of the Holocaust. It's fine. It'll be, it'll be related. Your, chi- your childhood fanhood. It would be Holocaust. related to my childhood obsession with Nazism. I was, okay. I was very yeah. Mine was Soviet. prophetically was interested in the different. suffering that they went through and how they endured suffering. Mm. I liked reading I, about that as well. I, for some reason, which is... Suffering is like your thing. I, I, yeah. Maybe. I was always, always... <laughs> <laughs> I was always skeptical. It's the stigmata! Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Catholics. Yeah. Have I told you, have we talked about that before? Can I say that really quick? <laughs> what oh happened? No, I want to know. Okay. You so, get embarrassed. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're already embarrassed. You can curl up in a ball over there really quick. So it's the most pure thing I've ever seen. We were working on the train and we were at the hotel, the Klondike that they have everybody stay in yeah. when we're in Fairbanks. And we're all watching. Was, is it just The Nun? Yeah. It's whatever Conjuring movie Mm. Franchise is the one about the nun. They go to a okay. convent. Is it a, is it a convent? Yeah, it's a convent. They go to a convent in Romania, Romania. Mm. and there's like 
there's been a they sealed this portal to hell or something like this whole thing whatever and like there's a nun demon there's a demon that's like manifesting as a nun or whatever yeah. and i don't remember who it was but like there were two moments i remember where she's sitting in the room and then the cross starts going upside down and Amory's like the cross <laughs> And then there's a moment where the girl, she, um, her hands puncture. Yeah. And then oh, she has yeah. a pentagram, like, spiritually, like, drawn in her back. <laughs> and Anne-Marie yells, the stigmata! <laughs> and everyone's like, what is wrong with her? It's like all the Catholic symbolism. Oh my God! She's yeah. like turning her face away. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my god! And she's the only one that gets the significance of the stigma yeah. in the room. <laughs> why that could be terrifying and why the cross yeah. was At that point, did you know about the stigmata or no? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, kind of. But it, oh. well, I, t- I, was like, I was like, wow, this must be important. The yeah. stigmata was a really big thing that summer for me. Okay. Why yeah. you were hoping for it? Just, just once. No, I, I didn't understand it as a kid. I, <laughs> just once. Yeah. Just, it doesn't have to be more than once. <laughs> I didn't understand. I was very disturbed as a child with um, stories of, of the oh. saints that mm. would self-flagellate and like yeah, hurt yeah. themselves. Um, and I and then and along with that went the stigmata, <laughs> and I didn't understand why in the world anyone would pray to like to get it. have the wounds yeah. of Christ. And then I had a revelation about it and shared it with Grant on the train. Oh, okay, okay. Then that's when he learned about it. Yeah. And was he like your fascination? He's like, man, your Catholics are weird. Yeah. Was that no, I, I never thought Catholics were that weird. Oh, okay. I had this like gut feeling that they weren't that weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was Protestant anger towards Catholics that made me think there was something correct. <laughs> um, but, um, man, I had a thing to say and I don't remember. About her love of the Holocaust? No, I just thought oh. it was really funny that we're like, there's like 15 people in a room, like all like totally drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's mm-hmm. like, that's stigma! <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is like okay what because <laughs> i have i have a horrible time with like films about demon possession that's mm. the only thing like the witch is like terrifying to I've me i've seen that either did you see the witch i don't think i saw the witch but i've seen all of the conjuring films <sighs> have you seen the exorcist of emily rose no i've not seen that but i've heard no, we have to have, we have like to like, like if you want to see one that's creepy and more realistic i've heard exorcists say that that's 100 yeah. percent. okay so yes that's that that one this is that gonna one make me is creepy to me I, I don't really like watching that one so the score to this to the witch can i think it was taco the same bell and watch that what can we get taco bell after this and yeah watch we that? should i don't want to tonight oh <laughs> um, i have a th- i'm meeting my mom in the morning oh. but i want to have a movie night again that's actually very fun but anyway, um, wow. Oh, it's the same director that directed Midsummer. Midsummer. Oh, um, Ari Aster. Are you going to talk about Hereditary? No, it's. I think it's. Is, is the witch not the same director as Midsummer? Midsummer is Ari Aster. One second. I thought it was the same. I don't think so. I think Hereditary is his only other film. No, it's not. Why did I think that? Robert Eggers or something. There's this scene where it's it's made as unwatchable as possible. The baby, so it's about a Puritan family that gets exiled into the woods and they have to live, but then there's like witches in the woods mm-hmm. who are like practicing like demon worship and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they steal the baby and the 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 soundtrack is just like horrifyingly ugly. Oh, so it's yeah. just like deranged choral voices and dissonant voices going crazy and just like, it's like, like a schizophrenic music attack while they show what happens to the baby. There's this woman 
it's all out of focus and horrible, like horribly filmed. Yeah. But the baby, she like circumcises the live baby and lets mm. it bleed to death and then like bathes in the blood of this infant and does this like horrible twitching, like, like seizure looking. I don't even remember what yeah. the word is. I'm trying to think of a word, but like, like an epileptic. Attack. Yeah, it's just, and I just was like, I'm in a theater with a bunch of people and I'm like, I really don't, there's something really evil about me watching this right now. And like, I remember being the only person who was like, actually like, I was like, I was upset for like a week. Cause oh, I was really? just, I was just like, I was just like disgusted. Mm. Mm. I was like, why is anyone watching this? Mm-hmm. This is horrible woman. She's like bent over and like doing this like convulsing thing while she's drenched in the blood of an infant that's been circumcised in this pail yeah. in the middle of the night while there's like horrible dissonant choruses playing. And I was just like, this is just like, it's intentionally like evil. Yeah. Which is like effective as like a in a horror movie, yeah. yeah. But like it was just like, <laughs> I just am like still imprinted in this that the scene, and like when the when the mother's deranged and like a like at the end when the mother has gone totally insane because her kids the witches keep stealing her kids and there's oh, a yeah. scene where the daughter walks in and the mother's sitting there laughing maniacally while a raven's like chewing her nipple off of her breast and this, it's just what is this it's, movie? it's horrific it's never, this was in a theater it's 2015 yeah what was it called witches? the witch the witch I just am like I never want to watch it again because yeah. it, it was just like it wasn't like I'm not we need to do wine I know thank you so it's not that I'm, it didn't scare me. It disgusted it me. On, on, well, it disturbed and disgusted me on such a visceral level that I was like, yeah, changed. <laughs> oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah. And this was like, this is like, just, I can't imagine someone wanting to direct something like that. Like, yeah, it was just like disgusting. It wasn't scary. Cause I mean, a scary movie's fun. Yeah. Yeah. But like, something disgusting yeah, it, is it like just totally different. Like yeah. I was just like sick. Mm. <laughs> it was not. Anyway, do we have anything else to say on the Jews and their lies? I think the, the takeaway mm-hmm. is that it's not as funny as we thought it would be. Yeah. There's some funny okay. parts. Can you want me to find the funny parts? Should I just read them? Sure. There are okay. some because they're shocking and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Cause you read that one really good one that, the first one that you read that we couldn't stop laughing. Should you want me to just find that page and read it? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're just going to recreate it. Because are you feeling wine? You're feeling wine. Yeah. Yes. Are you? No. A little bit. I'm not actually. Do you want a little more? Chug wine? I don't chug. I know you don't chug. You're like, you're like I'm a deep brother, but you're like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> exactly. <how I> did. <laughs> did you did you see that's when I wish we had video. Mm-hmm. We didn't have video at that time. I don't remember what episode that was. The deep throating and dreams. We were talking about Milo. Oh yeah. I and can't. the sangre and the banana. And I I deep throated the banana like this. I remember hearing I deep throated the banana yeah. like all the way down. <laughs> yeah, I did like I all do. the way down. And then Jeremy's like <laughs> and like he's like, I can't. <laughs> I'm not gonna No, it's good that you did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like I deep throated the banana. It's it's good that you did it. <laughs> okay. Retain so your... Let's just, for the sake of entertainment, because this... But I mean, just, just on a serious note, I do th- I do think the implications of, of what it led to is interesting. I think if anybody really wants to know the beginnings of, of that kind of movement and uh, like that um, nationalistic movement too, that is like it's Germany and these people are taking 
our jobs and enslaving <laughs> you know, us. I'm I'm very unaware of, but kind of curious about mm-hmm. is like uh, how how did that get over into the United States, like with Henry yeah. Ford and and the Rockefellers? Like how did that sort yeah. of anti-Semitic sentiments well, I mean, th- th- there, were, there. there were a lot of germans that came to the u.s mm. there's a lot of protestantism i mean this is a protestant nation and so i think i think that sentiment lingered in many of the lutherans so here that came here and everything i don't think for one protestants understand how singular the protestant vision was in luther yeah i don't necessarily want to say it was a cult but like it it's him. He's right. the deity of Protestant theology. Yes, yeah. Is Luther. Yeah. Like, he's so rejecting of everything that came before him. He, he is he is the source of And, all and of yeah, and, and that's, that's what I found interesting. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I found no. it interesting with the episode with your mom is that now that was the one thing she immediately acknowledged as being too arrogant and prideful to admit. You know, it, it, because it is she's rejecting all the church yes it I is, mean she did admit it by the end and by the end yes but but at first I, I think it's very intuitive for somebody to realize that they realize okay Luther's position is inherently prideful it's, it, it is inherently arrogant he basically is saying that everybody that came before me all the apostles the apostolic fathers um, <laughs> every person after them the patristics the scholastics the, they all were just wrong that St. Paul just got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter got it wrong. Timothy got it wrong. Everybody got it wrong. The, the East and the West, everybody got it wrong. And then here I am, I am Luther, and I finally got it right. That That is just, it's weird for one thing. And the other thing I find weird is that many of these Protestants are also conservative politically. It and was very... And it's like, they wouldn't accept that. What if Gavin Newsom said, no, 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 the founding fathers got it wrong. This is America, you know, California. This is America. This is the real America. That's very American, though. Yeah. But many people, many of the conservatives would be like, um, no. Look at the founding fathers. Yeah, you look at the founding Yeah, and so I, I don't understand that. And so in the end, she had to admit, yes, that's what I'm saying. The apostles were wrong. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's and that's what So that is actually it. something that I, it made me, res- it's, I've never thought my mom was unintelligent. I thought, yes, I've always yeah. thought she was very intelligent. But when... It, I really, th- I, I, when I was processing the episode and like yeah. putting the music in and like when I title episodes, my strategy is to skip every 20 minutes. That's when I write the descriptions. Yeah. It's, I skip every 20, 30 minutes and then whatever we're talking about at that point I put in. And then mm. if I hear a line or something, yeah. then I title it that, whatever that thing okay. is that yeah, like yeah. kind of sums it up or whatever. Um, our, that discussion started 50 minutes in yeah and we went over three hours i know yeah so we talked about like for two hours mm-hmm. over two t- like maybe two hours 20 minutes mm-hmm. non-stop you guys clashing yes yeah which is but the fact that she was able to go from thinking it was arrogant and like rejecting it to rational hearing rational points and then by the end saying yeah i think they were wrong there's mm-hmm. like at least she was willing to do that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, that's actually good. Which is good, yeah. That that tells you that she respects ideas to some degree. Yes. You know, like, not, not not the right ones, we would say. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. But still, that she's willing to understand that mm-hmm. for her to say this thing, she has to say this thing. Yes, yeah. Like that. And, and that, I mean, that, that does show reason. But she appreciates rational consistency. But it also shows the stubbornness. Yes, and I know. Yeah, and I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But the fact it's 
it's cool to see my mother respect her own rational, like, like ideological consistency to that degree. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. True, yeah. Well, like yes. that's what we want to hear. Like just say they were wrong. Just say yes. they were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can start from there. Yeah. Cause that's exactly. the starting point. Yeah. Unless you can say that. Then the next conversation. Yeah, happens. You know, like, yeah, and, and okay, I completely agree. I completely agree. With you can't you have that. a theological discussion between the differences, or any you kind recognize. of intelligent discussion without you. Recognizing it was just the getting reality. you to the point to say yeah. that they were wrong, and it takes long. Okay, now you're Protestant. Yes. Now we can talk about. We can go yes. to the next step. But anyway, um, do you want me to read some of these? Sure. Cut <laughs> pie. Okay, so do we introduce the pie, and while she's cutting the pie, read screeds sure. against the Jews. Um, the Buddha pie is what we're calling it. <laughs> you have to tell me, Amanda, if the audience can see that. It's is got it focused? a naughty symbol on it. Yes, yes. It's got, no, it's not naughty. It's pointing towards the east. It's the Buddha. Yes. Okay, can we just describe it? Yeah. Um... So let me look up the etymology of the word swastika. Um, the let me cut it right beautiful, here. beautiful, amazing woman and mother who made this for us, um, knowing that we were to discuss the Jews and their lives by Martin Luther, thought it would be fun to um, etch into the pie not the disgusting, evil, <laughs> west-facing swastika of the Nazis, but you know, something reverent of the Buddha. So, what kind of pie is it, Jeremy? Blueberry. Are you sure? Yes. It looks very blue. Okay, because she wanted us to call it the Jewberry pie. Yeah, because... Oh, and I was hoping you would remember that, but sorry. So, sorry, Amy. It is the Jewberry pie for the Jews in their lives. Yeah, cakes first. I will say, I know that Amy will be listening to this. Um, the consistency. No, let me hold that up. God. Look at that. That's beautiful. I know that my light is already blue, and I love how there's berries on top of it. Very picturesque. Yeah, so good. Um, the consistency is really. I know that she really. Upon viewing one of her pies being watery, she would hurl herself out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, were it for the encouragement of others to keep living, <laughs> so this is very, very good. I'll ask her for what she, what she did with it. But the Jewberry pie. Mm. So let me read some Jew lines for the Jewberry pie eating. Mm. Um, Oh, I love the, therefore, so imagine, um, Martin Luther, did you just say a little prayer? I watched your mouth. Did you? I'll just fart and then eat pie. (laughs) Look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Therefore, be on your guard against the Jews, knowing that wherever they have their synagogues, nothing is found but a den of devils in which sheer self-glory, conceit, lies, blasphemy, and defaming of God and man are practiced most maliciously and vehemently his eyes on them. Vehemming. This is interesting. I actually had, I read in the trans, did you read that line? Mm. It says vehemently. 
V-E-H-M-I-N-G. Yeah. I Googled that word because I had no idea. I'm going to just verify yeah. it here. Vemingly. Vemming. If you Google Vemming, the only results that come up are regarding on the Jews and their lies. The only one. The first one, on what grounds was Martin Luther been criticized by? Dot, dot, dot. Kristallnacht Memorial, Martin Luther, dot, dot, dot. Um, it, something, another thing in German about this thing. William Cincinnati Directory. I don't know. Oh, it's a last name. Andrew Orenheimer thinks he's a religious martyr as a result. And on the Jews and their lies, on the Jews and their lies, on the Jews and their lies. It's all that. So I don't know what that word means. Hmm. Maybe just poisonous. You know what? I'll read those at the end. Because hmm. they're funny. And I know we have Jew listeners that would probably find that funny. Mm-hmm. Based Jews. Hmm. All right. So, do we transition? Yep. I do want to apologize. I really, I really did think that on the Jews and their lies was going to be like less thought provoking and more just hilarious. Yeah. That it was actually kind of thought provoking. Yeah. <laughs> I like, <laughs> found myself more thinking than laughing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would like stop me like, ah, ha, 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 like mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the lines. Jeremy's not going to be talking until he's he done. He was foul mouthed. I was, I was taken aback. He's like, the Jews are nothing but whores and sluts. He mm-hmm. said whores and sluts in the same <laughs> many sentence. times. <laughs> I was taken aback. Yeah. This is this is people's church father. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the best blueberry pie you've ever had? This is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm. This might be one of. I know. This is great. What's a Malbec? I know. Oh. So, as many a listener saw, I tweeted but five days ago that we would be taking listener questions. Um, I did receive quite a few, actually, in direct messages on Twitter which was flattering and cool. Um, but uh, several of them, I was actually impressed. Um, they would be, to include them in like a shotgunning of questions would be too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will let people know if we like dedicate episode sections to like answering okay. questions and stuff. But yeah, like yeah. some of them were just, they're like too good of questions and too deep to like, I have 15 questions here. Like it's, it would just, we'd be here for like eight hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was just going to do some, like, I ordered them. It might work. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is the listener question section. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to name people. Um, some of them were two-parters. Two-parters? You yeah, some questions are two-parters. And like, I don't want to, but um, I just ordered them. Some, you know. um, first question, what music does Jeremy listen to? What kind of music do you like? I don't. I don't listen to a certain genre. George Michael. I know. So no, just name your name. Yeah. Your, let's just talk about music for a second. Uh, I could say my two favorite songs is um, uh, "Moonlight Sonata" is one, mm-hmm. and um, Beethoven. Uh, so this uh, is yeah. What's the other one? An Unchained Melody by Righteous Brothers. Yeah, I think those two. This are. is very interesting mm-hmm. because was Beethoven not writing during the Romantic period? I think he was a Romantic period. Yeah. It's very interesting to me that you would enjoy romantic period mm-hmm. music as much as you do. I do actually. So I like, think it's much do, better than do classical. Do you like Claire de Lune? Claire de Lune. I love Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune is one of my favorite pieces of music I of love, all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. I, 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 do you yeah. like Chopin? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the 
romantic period is one of the best time for music. It's interesting like because I, philosophically, I don't think they'd agree with you about anything. Well, oh, the romantic, like theologically or like philosophically, yeah, probably like, not because yeah. it's like the mm, early mid late mid 1800s right yeah yeah that's not a time period no there's like almost no good philosophy out of that time yes i would agree but um Um, i don't think they have yet because that's just mainstream to reject beauty okay um you can't listen to that music and right yeah they say it wasn't really until the atonal music of the of the 1900s and the late 1800s where uh they began to reject beauty what do you mean by atonal there was, there was literally a, a movement um, called atonal music. It's and it just um, was apparently. I'm I'm not a musician, so I'm not I'm not too familiar with music theory, but it was negating. Oh, Franz Liszt's Bagatelle Son yeah. Tonalité. Yeah. Of 1885. Yeah. There you go. Late 1800s, early now, and and that's when it changed from the Romantic. Because when you say atonal music, I think it's something completely different. Oh, okay. No, it's 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 horrible. It's it, so it, you're they, they, they've done research where they have where they lock people in the room, listen to atonal music, and they went insane. <laughs> it's because mm-hmm. when you do that, mm-hmm. and this is the same experience I had with the witch, yeah, with that weird mm-hmm. witch baptism, circumcised baby penis baptism yes, scene. Yeah, um, you are aesthetically. F- forcing someone to almost experience non-being yes and because you can't actually experience non-being there's like an insanity to it Mm -hmm. it like forces you into an aesthetic state of insanity yes yeah that i Mm -hmm. i think is like disgusting Mm -hmm. yes so when you listen to music that's too like music without rhythm like um like like late career miles davis or something right very experimental yeah it's just, just horrifying. not it's not music it isn't yeah exactly it's not music it's just sound because yep. part of music is we know we've talked i don't know if yeah. we talked about this last time we probably did a actually, feature yeah. of music is or the organization yes it's of order, sound yeah. Mm-hmm. you have rhythm you have tonality and everything yes. so when you purposely reject you have it, scales you yeah, have modes uh, yes you have notes like you just if and, you and i would say when you reject those then you don't have music so when you listen to what they call atonal music, you just listen to sounds and sounds that, that are purposefully disordered. And when you have disordered sounds, it's not correct. And so the romantic period still, like they, 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 they foster spontaneity, but they weren't rejecting beauty. They still were saying that there is beauty, but beauty is, is found in spontaneity. This beauty is found there in, in, in some sort of chaos that is still ordered towards the beautiful. And, and I think that's more of a proper view of how so music is. So let me say something about this. I, again, I'm, it's not tomorrow anymore, but it's going to be next week. I'm going to be yeah. talking about Yellow Magic Orchestra. And I'm really, the only reason I'm constantly referencing this is I've, I've literally been listening to at least two albums a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same seven albums, two albums a day, every day for like two weeks. And now it's going to be another week. So you're going to hear me talking about this because I'm just like drowning in it constantly. Yeah. There's a, there's a track epilogue off of technodelic from 1981 where they literally it's the first it's one of the first albums where they were anyone used like digital samplers so they're using like like on a kaidan or stairs there's sort of this like it's literally someone saying fukuchiki that they're like replaying over and over and over yeah yeah and like on this track they literally take what almost sounds like a car crash like Mm -hmm. the chaos of a car crash but they like the crash sound, 
crash sound, crash sound, crash sound. Yeah. And after a while, it's just rhythm. It's a chaotic mm. sound regimented in music. And it's yes, just like, yeah. it's mind blowingly good, but it's that same idea yeah. that like for music to be music, it there needs to have, needs yeah. to be an organization. Yeah. There was, there was that other song. I think it was in the 1970s or 60s where it came out where they took some guy say, it's going to rain. It's going to rain in a rhythm and a rhythm. And just if over, you and, say over, it over and over and over and over and over, that's yeah. music. It is. Yeah. And so in the background, you kept hearing, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. But yeah, it just becomes, it becomes music that way. So yeah, um, I want another piece of that. Give me that. Oh, yeah. God damn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so, yeah, in terms of... Amy, uh, seriously, <laughs> the Jewberry pie is heavenly. Oh, Ooh. there you go. I'm a... There you go. We're professionals. But, um... Pie transfer. <laughs> so, yeah, it, 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 in terms of art in general, I think the Romantic period was quite fantastic. And that was... A that's la- very... That's and, just... And, and I think it's the last great part of art. Because after that was the modern period. Well, it's almost like in the Romantic period mm-hmm. there was a, there was a, um, in the same way that when I've when I've talked about eighties music, and again this is the first question, so I really don't. Want to, yeah, fine. We, we might not get through, it. Yeah, but um, in the eighties there was a renaissance of like the composer because the technology allowed for mm-hmm. people yes. who had the aptitude to compose mm-hmm. like huge musical compositions with orchestras. They could do that because they, it was all digital mm-hmm. or analog or whatever. Like you could, you could compose things because, and you didn't necessarily have to play everything. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why 80s pop was the best pop music. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number one, best pop music. Yeah. And I, th- again, this YMO, Yellow Magic Orchestra, I'm like, that's on my heads there, but like same thing. Um, it's not going to make sense to people. I should stop saying it, but, um, <laughs> That's all I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the eight, the the romantic era the, the of art mm-hmm. almost had the same kind of I don't want to say renaissance, but like mm-hmm. it was a calling back to a period of art that was more articulated. Yes, in yeah. a modern. It was yeah because um, there were there was a lot of painting of Greek gods again, mm-hmm. goddesses. Yeah, it was very dramatic, very dramatic Christian narratives. But it was also technically perfect. It was, it, but it was still technically perfect, exactly. Yeah, and so that that's why I think it was just it was one of the best periods of art in general. Um, Do you have a just to to go to back to the other song? Yeah. Um, do you? Unchained Melody, I've listened to that. Obviously, everyone's heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not thematic. It, mm-hmm. The melody meanders, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really repeat portions. Yeah. It doesn't, there's, it's thematic in that it's in a key, but other than that, it just kind of, it is this like Roy Orbison level mm-hmm. of like. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. Roy Orbison in Dreams level of like. There's a yeah. part A, B, C, D, F, G, and then it's yeah. over. There's not like a chorus as mm-hmm. much. Yeah. It's, it's do you have do you have memories? That that relates to that song? Yeah. There's some, it's just interesting because I just I hear you talk about art and then you say these this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting like reconciling the two. Why? I guess because why, yeah. you talk about art as being this like it's almost like you it's an expression of the beautiful. I know, but when you talk about art per yeah. se, I think your criticism of contemporary art mm-hmm. and like cubism, et cetera, yeah, yeah. focuses a lot on the lack of technical precision. So when I hear you like something like Unchained Melody that is not thematic, 
Yes. It's interesting because because I think thematic music becomes boring. Like Mozart, I find boring mm. for for the most part. Uh-huh. Um, Baroque There's... music in general, I find boring. Well, it is. Um, we I, don't we don't agree about. Yeah. And so the reason why I reject modern art the way that I do is because. And we will return. We will return to art later. Yes. Fundamentally, what same thing to go back to to atonal music. Fundamentally, what modern art did in everything, whether it's visual or auditory, was make it cease to be that which it is. And so just as atonal music is not music, it's just sound cubism and shapes is not really paintings you're just it's just shape drawings well what i've said and, and so so it, so it negates it negates beauty altogether and so you need spontaneity because spontaneity has an order to it it, it doesn't mean that it's chaotic it means that it is spontaneous and this is what i've said mm-hmm. is and this is this kind of goes to something that michael Knoll said it was at gk chesterton mm, that said that Vice is, isn't the lack of virtue. It's the the, the, the exaltation of one virtue, one virtue to over the ex- all yes, the others. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. that's what contemporary art is. Yes, it is. Yes. And when I like long, I don't even think it's up. I think it was number mm-hmm. five. We only have the first episode and yeah. the number seven when you joined us. Yeah. So there's five episodes that exist on my laptop yeah, that yeah, no yeah. one's heard mm-hmm. that I think would be interesting to release at some point. And I've actually yeah. had people request that we do because we, we talked at length about art in those episodes. Yes, yeah. Um, that contemporary well, art, art is like art. a, what? We should do a new episode on art. Though, I think right we now. should. Yeah. Um, well, there's another thing here. Um, that contemporary art is, exemplifies that vice because it's, shape and color to the exclusion of all other mm-hmm, features mm-hmm. of art or yes, that it's space exactly. and line to the exclusion of all other yes art. it's like it's i kept calling it meditations on those things mm-hmm. yeah and i kept trying to almost call it not art and you said it was degenerate art and i think that yeah. we're agreeing using different words yes i think so yeah. but anyway we need to move on because we're there's yeah. literally a question but, but to go back to unchained melody just, just really yes. quickly uh, that's part of the reason why I do like it is that it isn't boring. Okay. And I think it evokes certain emotions about, um, about loss, about love that I think mo- most songs don't. And, bo- and the same thing is with, uh, with, uh, with, um, Moonlight Sonata. Moonlight Sonata. Yeah. So really quickly to cap it off, I'm mm-hmm. going to try to summarize. And if you tell me that I'm correct, yeah. we're moving on. Okay. Um, that those songs portray something that the class classical music doesn't do and a lot of pop music didn't do at the time that Unchained mm-hmm. Melody was out is that it expresses a certain part of the experience of those things yes. the unregimented experience of those things yeah. that organization doesn't yeah like Unchained Melody the fact that it's not thematic is because when mm-hmm. you're grieving there is no order. yeah mm-hmm. okay. and the, the climax towards the end is beautiful but okay and that, because there's a climax to suffering is. and then it's yes over. Okay. i know yeah. okay. okay second question why are latino men so horny that is the question to <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> a certain I latino think, man who suffers yes. from latino horniness wants to know um, why latino men are so, so horny, horny. <laughs> I, I think that's a good question it, it, it is well, something that that i Brandon. He might. I should tell him. I, story, I, right? I, 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 I have. Sure really, <laughs> I, I've thought about it quite a bit. Um, I think. I think a lot of it is um, genetic. I think the I think, the, the the companion hmm. question that I paired with this is: um, yeah. Do you believe in like blood memory? Yes, cell memory. Blood. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do think that a lot of it is genetic. Um, 
that we cannot really control. I think different races and different cultures have different vices. And I think cultures are a derivation of the people who made that culture. So mm-hmm. it ultimately goes back to the biology. Um, and so I, th- I think because of that, it's the same thing that, you know, you could ask why or why people are so cold, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it's the same thing. It's like they can't really help it. You know, it's like whenever you go to a lot of white families, especially the really Norse, Norse families, um, the nor- northern families, it's, it's almost as if their relatives are acquaintances. They're so polite with each other. They're like, mm, how you do today? Good, good, I'm doing well. You take yeah. a bite. So what'd you do to work? And it's weird, right? Yeah. While in, in most of the Latin... Everyone's making out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but in the Latin <laughs> word, it's like you, when you, when you meet, each other, you meet each other. Like, like, you get, like, like, like my French friends, I remember... A giant orgy. My French, my French French would just kiss me. Right, and that's that's how you greet them. It's Suck like your penis. Yeah, kiss me, hug me. We drink, put arms around you, and so I think a lot of it is it's just it's also the way that we developed in our environment, um, and uh, and I don't think there's any change in that. I think it's just it's so Latino part. men are cursed with being too horny for the U.S. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. The puritanical. So Americans your message to Latino listeners is you're sorry <laughs> that you have the correct sex drive. <laughs> And that no one here will ever accept you for it. <laughs> yeah, they can't deal. <laughs> they can't deal. Yeah, yeah. Return. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, fourth question. Is it gay to top? Well, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. There's a joke. Someone asked if it was gay to top. Top Being a top in gay culture is being the giving partner. Oh. Oh, it's not as gay. As receiving. Yeah, receiving is much more gay. Explain. Because. Because I agree with you. Because the masculine... Because, can I, can I try to answer that? But the that? question so was, it, yeah. is it gay to top? And it's obviously not. Yes, but like the, we can yeah. expand that a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when you are a, t- a gay top, quote unquote, um, you are still engaging in some of the motor action of actual sex mm-hmm. as a man. You are still penetrating. You're still thrusting. You're doing the whole yeah. thing. You're ejaculating the whole thing, whatever. I'm like, I knew this was going to upset her, but I thought it was funny. That's why I kept saying, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Just drink your wine. Turn around. Sit down. Curl up in a ball. Um, you're still engaging in that. You know what I mean? You're still engaging in exactly, yeah. part of the form of sex. But when you're a yeah. man receiving yep. anal sex, quote unquote, sodomy, we would call here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> taking it up the butt is like way gayer yeah, yeah. because it's just not yeah it's not nearly as natural and and i do think this is where the greeks got it right so the greek um sodom sodomist relationship was mo- <laughs> was mostly with with boys and, oh and really and really young men. <laughs> and i think that's a more correct position because obviously the one who's going to get it up the ass or the one who's going to okay. be sucking or whatever should be the inferior one should be the child, the boy, okay. and the adult should Agreed. not be doing that yet. Okay. It's weird when the man in the superior position wants to receive it. But anyway. Yes, that's really The weird. second is if you were gay, would you be a top or a bottom? A top. All the way, yes, yeah. <laughs> if you were gay. Top, you, obviously. Yeah. So you would peg. Alpha. You would be peg. You would peg and not yeah. be pegged. Okay. No, yeah, God, okay. no. <laughs> so now that that's over. Um, the next question is why does Grant not go to mass or RCIA classes? Yeah, why don't you? Yeah, actually, um, explain. This is yeah. a I thought, question. I know. Um, I'm not praying hard enough. That's the answer. Yeah, me either. I think that I For rationally, I think that I rationally understand and viscerally understand 
that there are parts of the way in which I live my life that are incompatible mm. with that. And I do not think that I'm ready to be, not be done with that mm-hmm. in a way that would be required for me to convert yet. Okay. You know, I think that's a fair answer. It's fair. I think it's a very Jordan Peterson, but like, I really, mm-hmm. I think that that's the case. Right. So anyone who's like, I keep saying on other podcasts, they go like, well, what's the Catholic take? Because like, <laughs> I'm going on these, that. I've yeah. been on these other podcasts and they go like, well, what's the Catholic taste on this grant? I'm like, okay, fr- I'm not Catholic. <laughs> but I can articulate the Catholic view on this better than most Catholics can. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, what? I'm like, don't worry about it. And then I answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that people, I do actually know of several people who have been struggling in their lives, listened to the podcast for a while. I don't know if it's an instrumental part in mm-hmm. their conversion or whatever, but people will message me like, hey, I started going to RCIA classes. Yeah. And I'm like, awesome. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll oh, see you there God. eventually. <laughs> <But> like, <I'm laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I don't necessarily think a lot of those people understand the rationale. I think that they just understand. I don't. I think that there, for a lot of people who convert, there is a sense of like I'm converting because it will cure me of this vice or something. If I mm-hmm. if I have gay thoughts, if I just convert, maybe it'll stop. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, so, yeah. and I understand that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conversion doesn't just like cure you. No, right. And no, I'm no. not. I wouldn't convert as a cure for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that because in a way, because sometimes it does. And not, like, not just sometimes. In a way, it does. It, it's just that it doesn't work as an external thing. Conversion is internal. And so if by definition... Just you going mean, to the class doesn't... Yeah, the, yeah the external reality of it, that's not going to do it, but your conviction into it does. And so yes, conversion yes. does cure us from our, yeah. our sinful ways. Yeah. But not fully because you're still going to sin afterwards. Yeah. And so my, my response to what you said is that there would literally never be a state in which you are not sinning, mm-hmm. ever. And so by saying that because you are sinning right now means that you cannot convert you're literally meaning then there will never be a point in which you can convert. Yes. And so I, I don't think that that's a proper view of, um, of what it means to enter the church. To enter the church means that you want to get the sanctifying graces necessary for you to overcome the sin that you're living in. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get the sanctifying graces, mm-hmm. there will never be any help for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's... Um, so it's both. Yes, and so yeah. I, I think, and I think many of this does stem from Protestantism that many Catholics um, in, in America kind of hold, mm. is that they view be, being a Christian as you being a good person, and so it, it's as if if you become a Christian means that now I am good because I've converted, I've I've denounced all my sins, and now now can I'm I not correct good. the view? Okay, good. In a yeah. succinct way, it's not that you're a good person, it's that you're a person oriented towards the good. Yes. Ideally. But like um, Bishop Barron, I think, said it really well one time. He said, uh, I should try to get him on. The only difference between a sinner and a saint, really, is that the sinner recognizes his or her sin. And in that recognition, he or she does what is necessary. The saint recognizes their sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said sinner. 
Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that the same. I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> while, while, while the sinner um, doesn't, the sinner oh. tends to reject that. And so, you know, there, there, you know, if you, even if you think of St. Paul, I mean, he was literally a mass murderer, mm-hmm. right? He, yeah. wa- he wasn't like, oh, I just killed one person. I yeah. mean, he killed many people. It it it's it's if you if you think about it in our context of now that that sounds horrifying and it wasn't just like random people he killed he killed people because of their faith he he killed people because they were Christians, um, and then through his conversion he didn't spend the rest of his life paying reparations of his sins he wasn't like you know now I'm gonna be this humanitarian person that does whatever no it it wasn't that it was after he converted he devoted his life into um helping convert others and and that's and that's all that's all you can do yeah that's all you can do it doesn't mean that the rest of life he lived without sin he probably did a numerous amount of sins afterwards i don't know right well i mean he did talk about that like he had the the thorn in his side that christ wouldn't remove and he had to live with that yeah and And who knows what that sin was yes yeah we we, none of us really know but he continued to have habitual struggle with whatever that was And that's true about every saint, and, and and that's what's so beautiful about the church and the and the narratives of the saints is that you read them and you realize these people are just human, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're always going to find a saint that has your sin, mm-hmm. and that's the thing, you know. Yeah. If if you are a murderer, you have Saint Paul. Mm-hmm. If you're a philanderer, you have Augustine. Augustine yeah, or, or, or or Saint Mary, Mary of Egypt. Magdalene. But actually, Magdalene, yeah. we actually segue if you okay. want to the next question. Yeah, sure. Um, what are our thoughts on Augustine generally? What is Augustine's significance to the church? Well, he's a church father. Yeah. I know, but and what so, distinguishes him? The doctor him? of the church. Yeah, he as was. Well. I think he was one of the first doctors of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot, a lot of his. Should we do an episode on confessions? I think I just oh, need should, to read that. I have a yeah, copy. Yeah, of yeah. It. yeah, yeah. And that's it's that. a really That'd good book. Good. Yeah. It's not long. No. And it's relatively easy. I have a copy literally next to the bed I sleep on. So like I just <laughs> need to feast day it. was recently. It was in yeah. August. Yeah. I think a lot of the articulations, him and Augustine and Boethius were probably the first two doctors and the first two that, um, that just influenced the way um, theologically is spoken about God, about, about Jesus. Because he was a former Manichaean. Yes, he was. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's former Manichae, and his mom was his mom was Christian. His father was kind of just atheist, I think. Right. And he was a Roman good businessman. Nobleman. Yeah, and he wanted his son to be to be the same, and he he was for the longest he time. He was a rhetorician for a long time. Yes, yeah, and so I think his articulations of things, his um, recognition of uh, philosophical concepts within, uh, and his articulation of philosophy within there, I think was was just um, pretty fantastic, along with other church fathers like Gregory of Nyssa. Um, St. John Chrysostom and everything. Um, I think his, one of his greater influence, and this is one that I, I, I kind of side with Christendom over Augustine in this, really is original sin. And so there, there is a conception of original sin that's Augustinian, and then the other one that's, that's um, St. John Chrysostom, both, both um, saints and both uh, fathers of the church. But, um, but there, there's a certain nuance that I think the Roman church more agreed with Augustine's view while like the Byzantine church agreed with, with Chrysostom. um, Chrysostom's. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Chrysostom's is a much more eloquent explanation. It does mean golden tongue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think Augustine is great. I think he, he articulated many, many things well and he helped out 
uh, the understanding of besides of confessions in the city of God is there anything people should read yeah there's one uh, I have to look I'd have to look up the name I'm okay. sorry yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it yeah um, I did look what what um, the saint day for today what is Saint Salvius of Albi mm. okay that's Celebrate. it that's all I have no no he was a friend of Pope Saint Gregory I the Great mm. um <clears throat> He was in Albi, which is apparently a commune in southern France. Oh, in okay. France, okay. Uh, originally a lawyer, entered the monastery and served for a time as a monk before receiving election as abbot. Then, after hiring as a hermit, he became a bishop, fervous shepherd of Albi for 10 years in the 500s. He reportedly died of, while caring for the sick during an epidemic hmm. and ransomed prisoners and stuff. And, you know. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, St. Salvius of Albi Day. Um, the next question um, who is the most attractive man in the world probably celebrity I don't know they said the most attractive man I have very immediate comments on this only because I have also been rewatching all the Twilight movies out of my own either masochism or don't say don't say Robert Pattinson no it's obviously Taylor Lautner Thank you. Obviously, it's more obviously Taylor Lautner. Yeah, um, not the most attractive man in the world. But no, just mm. did you clearly, ever watch any of the Twilight movies? Clearly, more attractive. Unfortunately, than what did you? What do you? Who do you think is more attractive, Robert Pattinson or Taylor Lautner? Or sorry, Edward or Jacob? Which one is which? Edward um, is Robert. Edward is the vampire, yeah. and then Robert Jacob. Pattinson, yeah. You really think? Um, no, 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 oh. no, no. <laughs> I'm saying who? Who is? I don't know. I guess the other guy's more masculine than Mexican. Is he Mexican? Is he? He's like German, Dutch, and French or yeah, something. He's, he's like he's randomly. White, not, oh, he's, he's like really? he might have gypsy in there or something them. or like. Hmm. But I just I thought he was Mexican. What's I remember his name? Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. Okay. But yeah. I remember in this movie, when we were watching New Moon, especially. I think it's New Moon is the second one, mm-hmm. and it's the first That's when he came out as ripped. Yes, mm. but it's the same. It's the first one where they do the like shirtless reveals. Mm-hmm. And I remember, okay, the Taylor Lautner one, like, okay, I think he was like 17 when they filmed it or something. Yeah. He'd obviously been lifting seriously since he was like 11 or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, that, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I get it. And uh, he's also vaguely ethnic, which is generally attractive and stuff. And, yeah, and yeah. then they did the Robert Pattinson, and I was like, why on earth are we making them like compete as shirtless people because <laughs> Robert Pattinson is just so like was he lank- shirtless in that movie too yeah he did this the like shirtless thing where he's gonna like go out in the sun mm. and like yeah, all the people are good, blah, 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 or whatever I, I only saw the first one barely and I couldn't it was so funny <laughs> it was so bad it was so funny it's one of the worst but I just, things I've I just remember so this is turning versus a Jacob versus Edward thing I don't know if any viewers have any like polarized opinions on that who is mm-hmm. who is the most attractive man to you that's hard. I don't know off the top of my head. You can't think of anyone. Oh, gosh. You really can't think of anyone? Appreciator of beauty, quote unquote. I am. I'm trying to. Th- I, can't, I can't single out There's anyone. like too many. There's too many. Yeah, I think, exactly. Um, yeah. So, how, about, how about Cristiano Ronaldo? Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. I think his haircut is too boyish. Do you mean the first one or the second one? No, there was only one Cristiano Ronaldo. The oh, one, sorry. One of them so there's was one R- soccer Ronaldo. player, and then there's another guy that I was thinking. Well, it's of. usually oh, okay. Messi versus Ronaldo, oh, but okay. that's in terms mm-hmm. of skill. What does he look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, um, if you look him up, I yeah. like. Oh, I'm gonna forget his name. He's Irish. He's really handsome. Irish. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like really 
dark curly like, hair. Okay. Dark curly hair? <laughs> For yeah. an Irishman? Yeah. Farrell? Colin Farrell? No, he no, doesn't have curly no, hair. So you think that Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the most masculine men ever? I didn't say masculine. You said beautiful or whatever. You think he's a beautiful man? These pictures Aiden are really Turner. Funny. Aiden Turner. Yeah. Aiden Turner. Yeah. He's he's just tall, dark, and he's just so dark. He looks kind of aspy to me. Mm. Yeah. He's just this Look. little he's this little mouse face. Yeah. No. He does not he's have like, a mouse face. No. In all of his pictures, he's like. Masculine. Can you show more of his body? Gladly. Oh, dude, it's a <laughs> scene of him. Well, yeah, he looks. That's a good, good-looking masculine man, actually. Yeah. Why is this? I would p- agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that um, young Marlon Brando is oh. one of the most mm. attractive people who's yeah. ever lived. Young really? Marlon Brando. Yeah. Young Marlon Brando is one mm. of. I think that. I like Harrison Ford, young was was. Handsome. Young Harrison Ford. Mm. Um, young Seems Marlon like Brando. Um, what? Harrison Ford, Ford is, is a, a heavy breather. breather. <laughs> what? <laughs> kind of creeps me out. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like. I was like, whoa, man, I just, I can't listen to you talk. Oh, my gosh. Get off my plane. (laughs) (laughs) Who else? Um, I don't know who I find most attractive. He didn't say beautiful, he said attractive. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So who is Jeremy most attracted to? Um, Cristiano Ronaldo is who you said. So Jeremy is most attracted to Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> I don't know. You don't. I I, I do I do type. remember being like ten years old and having a crush on Taylor Lautner or whatever it was that he was. I know your type though. Vaguely ethnic, hmm. like yeah. it could be Latino, could be Asian. Nobody yeah, knows. Yeah. Like I just said, <laughs> vaguely. Ethnic. I don't know if that one was that interesting. Um, next question is favorite Bond film. You're not a Bond fan. No. Are you not a Bond fan? I'm not a Bond fan. I'm a fan. huge Bond fan. You guys mm. are boring. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you guys are oh, cucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, number one is a hilarious Octopussy, just because of the title. I've never oh, okay. seen there it. You You've never seen Octopussy? It's called Octopussy. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> that one's my favorite. It's like a pussy with tentacles. That's, I mean, like, how could you think otherwise? No, I know, it's yeah, the yeah. woman in that one is called Pussy Galore. <laughs> They knew what they were doing. They had to have. Well, there you go. Is that not a? That's a Roger Moore Bond movie. I think. I don't sure. know. I just. Um, I thought. It, I so, think the one that I enjoy the. So maybe if I could twist this, I think best Bond song. Do you guys know all the Bond oh, songs? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, my two why. favorites are Skyfall by Adele. Skyfall by Adele. I think Adele is is, is objectively the most viscerally bond and I think it has to do with the composition more than the song itself like mm-hmm. it's just the the melody like the Skyfall. melody and the I will say I did like Skyfall the melody where she's that. she's at a note and then she goes to one interval and then same note and then higher interval and the next interval and then she falls off the interval it's just it's very bond it's very big the, mm-hmm. the instrumental's great I actually personally hate the Chris Cornell Bond song, mm. which is sad because I'm such a Soundgarden which fan. And Chris Cornell's like singer. He went for right? Casino Royale, the first, um, the mm. first um, Daniel Craig. Mm. Oh. The um, is it know my know my name? Same as some I don't remember. Um, my other I one is I like Goldfinger. What the Goldfinger? Yeah. Bond song. Was yeah. Good. Yeah. I think the last Bond um, movie I saw was uh, Goldeneye. 
Oh wow, you were that was, was the nineties. <laughs> yeah, that was the last That's one. That's a ever Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Of Pierce I'm really Brosnan. revealing yeah. myself as the only Bond. Fan here, but, um, <laughs> I do. Uh, my my favorite Bond song might be "License to Kill" by Gladys Knight. Oh, because okay. I'm a huge Gladys. Okay, Knight fan. yeah, yeah, of course. I see but the that. just the music video of her like doing her little like like Motown dance while there's like beautiful one. women like dancing on like. The, the, I gotta, I gotta listen to that. I don't know even how that goes. Um, I've got a license to kill. And I'm going straight for your heart. It's a, it, I'll send it to you. Um, okay. It's a, it's just, it's huge. I love the yeah. Bond songs that are like, like the Sam Smith. Did Sam Smith do? Um, he did he a did Bond one, song. Yeah. Was it Spectre? Did Billie Eilish do one? She did the most recent one. Okay. I think how many, s- how many Bond films did Daniel Craig make? Five. I thought he made like one. No. 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 Okay. Okay. Really? Can we discuss who? No. Holy. Crap. Okay. You guys aren't fan. You guys aren't fans enough of. No, I'm not. Sorry. So Sean Connery. Okay. Was well, obviously Sean Connery's obviously. Best. But he was a corny Bond. He Did wasn't... you see the one where he pretended to be a Japanese man? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he put him in it's, for like it's, prosthetics it's and a, makeup stuff to make him look like a seriously? Japanese man. I'm serious. That's amazing. <laughs> I could not believe they aired it on television. Okay. I was in yeah. Seattle. Daniel with Craig my has made five. Yeah. And I was like, he made five. Bonds. I okay. didn't know this. So there have been a lot of Bond Um I think Who is an octopus? If you were to discuss the <laughs> octopusy, well, that wasn't Roger Moore, I think. You didn't like Roger Moore? No, he's great. They're all they're all different bonds. There were mm. there was one I think his name was like George something. George La- Lazenby. Mm. Lazenby? Lazar Lazerby? Lazenby. Oh, he was the shortest lived Bond, right? He was one movie. Yeah. It was like Sean Connery was all of them, and then him, and then one more Sean Connery or something. Yeah. And then Roger Moore. I don't remember who was after. Let me look it up. And Pierce Brosnan, and then... No, there was one in between that had the thick eyebrows. Um, What's his name? Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton, yeah, I remember that. Timothy Dalton was in License to Kill and Living, The Living Daylights. Um, Wasn't there an Axl Rose song? Didn't they resing? He resang. I think so. That's probably my favorite one. Um. So Sean Connery. <laughs> Sean Connery was in six of them. Roger Moore was in seven of them. Pierce Brosnan was in four, and Daniel Craig was in six. So Roger Moore was like the, the seventies, eighties one. Yeah. So he um, was in the most Bond so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So you think Daniel Craig? I was think that. I don't. I've never read the books because I know it's it's a. There's it's a, books. Yeah, it's a literary character. Really. Um, it's the same guy that wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, oh, um, weird. Ian Fleming. I did not know it's these I- were it, books. Ian Fleming. So Ian Fleming actually made the Bond character prior, but it was the same guy that wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the book that inspired the MGM movie. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest. Oh, that's weird. I didn't bang, know this. Bang, chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Well, so wait, hold on. Um, but now they're making stories past the book, then, right? I'm assuming. Oh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I've watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang times. was one of the like trauma movies. You are my. Was my... Oh, oh, is it? Yeah, because the ca- the candy guy. Oh yeah. The oh yeah. Mm. And the cage. Yeah. With the, on the cart, and the the you are my. Um, what's the? It's something bear. Tootsie Bear. You are my. Too tootsie. sweet. The, no, you are my. There's the there's oh, the scene. Oh, yeah, the Bulgarian yeah, yeah, yeah. king is in the big hall. Oh and he's yeah, like, yeah 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I know what you're toot, talking about. Sweet, toot, sweet. So, so maybe, maybe the but, um, original Bond I, so films was more the, no, corny because yes, they was, were corny. But it was it's in more. the same way that like the first. Um, I can't 
can't remember that Johnny Quest was like corny. It was like that. That's kind of what they wanted. And then so he was corny. Roger Moore was a little cooler. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan had this like gay flair to it. Like he had this yeah, like yeah. Broadway flair to him. And mm-hmm. then Daniel Craig is like a sociopath. Oh, really? He's, he's like the different. cool, hyper-masculine sociopath, doesn't give a shit about anybody, mm. but struggles with it, kind of. I think that Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond. Mm. Really, yeah. Because he is actually what Bond would be. Sean mm. Connery's just like, bah, 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 and like, the, like the, the car like flies away, and like they're, <laughs> they're like throwing hats But it makes sense <laughs> for If the writer of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang made that, it, made, I know. I it guess would be more bond Yeah, it would yes. be more corny. Yes. But I think that the characters evolved away from it in a yeah. way. But I, I really like, I love spy movies that are like serious because it's like the amount of money they're spending and how they're dressing. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's just a display of like hedonistic beauty that I yeah. really like want to like, like watching. Mm. And like they all suffer for it and die. And like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to watch a Daniel Craig Bond movie. Um, Skyfall's good. But there's mm-hmm. a lot, there's enough in it. Like, like, um, like the M part the Judy Dame Judy Dench part that like it would be a big deal that you'd have to I know I just okay. I'm trying not Monica to reveal Bellucci's it Monica in one of those isn't she mm-hmm. yeah mm. she's a beautiful um, woman mm. okay so do we need to go to the next one sure are we over that yeah, um, yeah. favorite video game franchise or game Ooh, that's a tough this is one. not an Emory question it's it's really but I thought it was interesting because someone asked like what's what's your favorite video game and I was like oh Jeremy actually likes video games I do actually yeah <laughs> Which, I do, I, it's hard for me to choose there's two of them and I can't so what are your two uh, Metal Gear Solid and Legend of Zelda. Why? Why? No, I'm just curious. Like, what are you? They're like? awesome. So you don't like American games? I know. Yeah, definitely why. not. No, no. So um, Metal Gear Solid, I think the story is really interesting. Uh, the gameplay is normally pretty damn fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I just get really into the convoluted narrative of that. Yeah. Uh, Zelda, um, you know, the, I think a lot of the stories are linked together. Uh, I didn't mean to make a pun there, but yeah. They're <laughs> I really did. Um, <laughs> You're good. Yeah, they're 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 connected, but but overall, I think they're just uh, stupidly fun. I think the the latest um, one that came out, um, what is it called again? Uh, Zelda. Uh, not the Breath of the Wild two. Breath of the Wild, yeah. Breath of the Wild two hasn't come out yet. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, I think was amazing. I actually, didn't like it. You didn't? No, yeah. I'm so over open world games. But yeah, but that was the only open world game that I actually completed. I think open world games. Normally I've played bore Skyrim me. seven times. That, that bored me. I, I love it. Yeah, I know. I, I think it, it, it's, a, it's, times, it's like, a very interesting world. The Zelda world is much more so, interesting than all of them. No. And um, yeah, I think those two are. But there's also a mythological. There's appreciation for mythology in Japanese games that I think is lacking. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's very much like American games do it, but it's yeah. more like you're playing this character that already exists as part of a world and then you're supposed to fill this role and you know what to do. And like the world is calling on you to do this thing. Like I know that some, a lot of Americans games do that, but there's like a more of like an, it's about the character than it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's obvious that link is part of a world. Like it it saddens me, for example, that um, there's never going to be another Metal Gear solid game unless um, Kojima. Yeah, unless Kojima teams again up with Konami, but Konami basically stole it from him. Yeah. So he's not able to make it anymore. He's not allowed Same to. with um, Silent Hill. Yes, yeah. Silent Hill games are great. Yes, yeah. And so yeah, yeah th- those two franchises, I would say, are probably the best. I'm trying to think of it. Because there's favorites, and then there's ones you've played the most. <clears throat> okay, so I yeah. think that the ones I've played, like Kirby games, 
Mm-hmm. I've played extreme amounts of Kirby games. Yeah, yeah. Every time. Kirby is great, though. I yeah. love Kirby yeah. games. He's my, it's my, that's my favorite Nintendo franchise, aside from probably Animal Crossing, but that's, again, I'd, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite, but I've played probably the most Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're fine. You don't play any, you don't play the games? No, I've, I've played, played, um, Have you played? Call of Duty. Just because your brother told you to? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, I didn't like those games too much. Did you like it or? I really no, I loved I mean, Modern I Warfare Two. I, I would just get stressed out. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would I would actually <laughs> if I you were gonna play myself from the game. Oh really? If yeah. My character gets shot. I literally die with the stigmata. It's like watching movies. Yeah. Um, if you were gonna play a first person shooter American game, American first person shooter game, mm-hmm. I would like probably. If I was, I'll probably I, I liked Modern Warfare Two. Yes, that's the one I was saying. Is it and, it, it, and I like the first um, Black Ops. Those were actually back to back. Those are the best first person shooters. There's something ever. about those two. Yes, it was um, amazing. Did you ever play um, Battlefield Bad Company Two? I actually did. I didn't care for that. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, okay. Sorry, oh, that I, was funny to me. I played Minecraft. I've like built Do you Minecraft. like Minecraft? Minecraft? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I can't play that. You know what's very... St- when did I Minecraft come out? I can build houses. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you so just like... And then you just take care of them? I never play... I actually have only played Minecraft. my houses and my farms. Yeah. That's all <laughs> That's I do. Fun. That's literally... I've, I've played... It was 2011? It feels oh. like it's been around longer than that. Yeah. It says 2011, so it's only yeah. been around for 10 years. Well, That's all people do. That's all smart people do. 2021, so it's 12 years. No. 10 years, yeah, you're right. 2021. Weird. That's yeah. weird. I thought I just feel like it's been so infused into popular culture that it's it just has, been around yeah. forever. I'm trying to think of what my favorite video game is. How about just you said franchise though? Franchise. Yeah. Kirby's one of them. Yeah. Um, Sim City is another one. Mm. I love just like City Man, like Age of Empires is another one. I just love like resource Ooh, management there is games. One Western game I love. What? I didn't think of. I forgot what? about. It. I guess there's three. It's yeah. Civilization. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's like six now. I know there is. Yeah. So six, six, I didn't like too much. But still. Four and five, I think, were the best. They're amazing. Two. Yeah. So only four and five. So yeah. Uh, so like Age of Empires might be some stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, it's much more primitive, but like. Right. Yeah. It's just civilization it's, building thing. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I love like making allies and then betraying them <laughs> and then taking over their land. It's, I love it's um, amazing. like SimCity. I mean, City Skylines is kind of the yeah. the most recent iteration of that. Um, the game I've played the most was Gary's Mod. What? Gary's Mod. I've never Every, played uh, Most listeners know what that is. But, um, you know, well, I, okay, my favorite video game franchise of all time is Portal. Mm. <laughs> I love Portal. <laughs> I don't get that game. I love it. Yeah. I love puzzle games, but mm. one also with narrative and humor. Yeah. Um, Half Life is another one. I'm a huge like early Valve fan. Yeah, like yeah. before like 2012, whatever. Oh, okay. Gary's Mod is the game. It's essentially just like an asset pack that you make game modes in. Oh, okay. So I've pl- I th- I've have like. T- 1500 hours in games yeah. mod or something playing like different game it's like a multiplayer thing like i've played a lot of that with friends yeah that so that's my most played game but i don't know what my favorite game would be mm-hmm. yeah yeah for um, franchises i think for me it's those three favorite game i've just i've played so many <laughs> yeah yeah you know in the generation where you're like born playing video games so I it's know. like you know, I still have the a, Super Smash Bros. Melee is like one of my favorite ones. Yeah. It's just perfect. Uh, I, it's I a still, perfect. I game, still have but. the PlayStation One copy of Metal Gear Solid. 
I have the first three Spyro games on the first PlayStation. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah I it used to give me nightmares as a Did it really? Yeah, I was even now I have like weird like archetypal tropes of like the <laughs> Spyro Tiki show up. And I'm like, what is like I what yeah. I'm like that's great 20 years out funny, yeah. still, like um, I, I literally bought playstation consoles just for the minute what's your games. least favorite game franchise i have one and i know you're My probably least? not going to know what it is but i just have to tell the listeners well you tell me yours first i have to think about mine rayman oh really i fucking hate rayman you don't like the new ones the legends whatever the fuck it is it's disgusting because it's disconnected no i just uh, hate rayman the, there's oh, okay. something about it that I, I don't know if it traumatized me as a kid or something yeah. there's, like there's something about it that's like gross to me hmm. <laughs> i think i have like visceral memories of like hating yeah. rayman he's like the worst designed Really? Character or anything. That's how I feel about Minecraft. It's like they're just blocks, and I don't understand the obsession. It's almost like, like my son plays the same it, way and they we love it, and he's about... like, you should try it. I tried it, because I wanted to like bond with him. I was like, I can't. It's like, this is horrible. So imagine... It's, this is one of the worst... So imagine that that, that kind of... The, the sandbox game... Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the like good sandbox games, at least separate you cognitively from the fact that you're playing a sandbox game. Minecraft wants you to know that there is nothing set about this, that you are yes. in total control all the time. And that gets kind of boring. Yeah. Like, um, it's, it's, it's like too, cheat codes get boring. It's too you know, like, ugly. It's just, it's, it's, all it's, it's wants you to know that it's not a finished game. Almost. Yeah. It's like, it's supposed to be part of the aesthetic. And I still like, remember the first time I saw it, I saw my, my friend, uh, yeah, one of our friends, I think the kids were playing or whatever, and I saw it, I was like, what is that? It looks uh, like, oh, it was like this free indie game they downloaded on Xbox Live That was or something. years ago. I remember that. Yeah. That's, that's when I was playing it. Yeah, that's when yeah. I saw it. I was like, is that what it is? Like, oh, it looks horrible. And I really thought that it would never never survive. Like, that was just it. It was kind of like um, Geometry Wars, if you remember when that came out on Xbox Live. Everybody was playing that. I was like, it's just a little phenomenon that's going to come out. And it, just, it just kept going and it kept going. And now new generation of it's kids are growing up. because it's not a finished game. It's I mean, it is, but like, it just like. But it's, it's, it, uh, everything about it is off-putting. The controls are weird. It's like switch between first person and third person. But you there's like watch your person. Yes, but there's like no difference between the, how the camera moves. Like they just walk like this. Yeah, it's 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 horrifying for me. Yeah, so, it's rudimentary. Yeah, it's one of the for me one of the my most hated franchises is is Minecraft. Probably another one would oh, be. Oh, you know what? I know mm. what my favorite game is. What? Harvest Moon: A Wonderful Life. Oh, okay. That's the GameCube one. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I think it has one of the best soundtracks of yeah. any Japanese game ever. Mm. If you, if you, if for me, if you talk about individual games, I, there's more that goes into my category, but just franchises, those are it. Because like for me, another favorite game of mine is, is um, Super Metroid. Oh, yeah. I think it's just one of the best games ever made. Um, Mario 64 was, was amazing. Oh, that's amazing. It is. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, it did you ever was, play the DS um, remaster? I did, yeah, yeah. I think it was pretty good. It was. But it, there was nothing compared to the first time you played on the I know, Nintendo I know, 64. And it was just, it was one of the greatest experiences ever. Um, I don't like, <laughs> I don't, I really don't like Crash Bandicoot. 
Yeah, yes, I don't. I agree with you. I don't. Crush Bandicoot is, is gay. I don't no. care. It's just a weird. It's a weird wannabe. It is. Yeah. Mask. I know that people have fond memories of it, and I know that it's, it's like a nostalgic. It's not, it's not yeah. good. Yeah. The thing, you know, the 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 levels where you're like running back at yourself and like jumping over obstacles mm-hmm. while something chases you. It's like that's impossible. I know. Yeah. You just have to die over and over and over and over and over until you memorize a pattern. That's not gameplay. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Um, mm, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I hope we. I hope we made people mad about being Crash Bandicoot haters. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. While enjoying Spyro, I think those were better than. That was the same. Spy, I never really played those ones. Actually. They're 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 better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's more in my categories of favorite games, but but um, we're moving on to the theological questions. Yes. So um, would you rather do that? Yeah. Okay. So let's do a very quick rundown on what is art. Okay. Because it's required to answer the next. Okay. So do you, do you want me to go or do you want to go? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Either one, I've got a pee. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, do you want us to wait and like bullshit while you're gone? No, start answering. Okay. Well, you know, you I, know what you know. Okay, you're, know you don't need a brief. <laughs> the audience needs a brief. Yes. So, yeah. we would say that art is a as close to a pure aesthetic expression of being as possible <laughs> in man-made expression of being as possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, it has no utility. Mm-hmm per se like art per se cannot yeah yeah. it's just if it's just art then it's a painting which doesn't have it does have no utility yeah because somebody can find utility in it if, if you if you paint a door yeah that's a door mm-hmm. that's an artistic door it's not art yes yeah yeah okay technically yes i, I would agree with um, that, yeah. those are the, the, um, the, only, the only reason why I, I would say that some people could find utility is because they try to push it like there's some psychologists say if you listen to certain kind of classical music or whatever during depression, fine. The, the, like you, you can see that some art there is forms, truth you glean from art, right? But there like is, it's yeah. Not, but but inherently, what it is is not meant for that. It it's just aesthetic a, expression. Yes, of being. yeah. yeah. And, and so. Um, so maybe we could talk about what isn't art. Okay. Really quick while she's gone, because I want to buy time. I want to ask questions while she's here, because I don't know okay. what she have. Yeah. What isn't art? Yeah. Um. Uh, um things that are made for utility um so what are what are so we've said that photography is a terrible medium for art and we've we've talked about that at length um and the the form versus the function over form or whatever episode we recorded that's a really good discussion of like yeah the difference between like it was a good artistic discussion i don't there's we've we've talked about it many times so i don't necessarily want to like rehash it yeah. Then I told the person that asked the question, and we have discussed it many times, so I don't want to like. No, yeah, it's fine. But, but, um, but in, in terms of bad art, then then or that lacks being being artistic, I would say when it becomes degenerate as well, mm-hmm. when it's no longer expressing beauty. So after the Romantic period is what you say. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Modern art in general, I would say it's just not art. Can like, you find some that are? Yeah, I, I would say like um, Salvador Dali. I would say what he did was art still because mm-hmm. there is still symmetry. There's bright, there, there's proper colors. There's mm-hmm. um, there's, there's technical. Of, there's there's also mm-hmm. technical mastery. Yeah, there's technical mastery and everything. So yeah, I would say his stuff is still art. It's it's bizarre, and I'll call it bizarre art. But is it degenerate? Put, is it harder for you to say Dali is degenerate than it is it for is, Picasso? Yes. Oh, yeah, Picasso is degenerate. Yeah, Picasso. Yeah, that, that, that's that's degenerate art. But I think because um there's still something being expressed in Dali's work in a proper way. An absurdity or something, yes. whatever. Yes, and, and it is absurd, and it's meant to be absurd. And, and there's something about Dali's work that he... 
I don't know what the I just like was had four trains of thought going, but um, there's something about Dali's work that expresses the way in which he knows that his work is absurd, mm-hmm. and is it just expressing that? Mm-hmm. He's not trying to rationalize it or justify it or any. It's just yeah. absurd, and he wants it to be absurd, and it's just absurd. Yes, yeah, and that's more respectable than. Yes, I would say so. When people talk about cubism as like a, right. like, oh, we're just trying to, to represent three-dimensional space figures yeah. in compl- as completely as possible on the yeah. same plane. And like, it gets almost into like mathematics and stuff. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. And then I would say it gets even worse when it comes to postmodern art because what happened, what happened there and what we're experiencing now is that now what they call art is just um, narcissistic expression. Yeah. And I would say art is not expression of oneself. It's an expression of the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there has to be this objective reality in which you are expressing. So if it's purely subjective, it, it can't really be art. Then it's just ma- it's masturbatory at that point. Because then anything could become art, which is stupid. And um, so, yeah. Sorry, I have this weird um, genetic thing, apparently. I've looked it up. I don't remember what it's called. Mm-hmm. Where you can look in bright lights and make yourself sneeze. Mm. Oh. And I had a sneeze coming on. What? I've, I've heard of that. Oh, really? I have that really mm. weird. Like, if I walk outside in bright sun, I can go whoop, mm-hmm. like, and just, like, fire off sneezes. <laughs> My mom has the same thing. So, it's, I think it's, I think her mom had the same, did the same really? thing. It's a genetic thing. But anyway, so I'm, like, sitting here, like, my nose is starting to twitch. And yeah. I'm, like, please, please. <laughs> looking at the lights just, just no sneeze. they're not bright enough anyway so we spent a little bit of time talking about what art is and what art isn't and like we should have a full discussion of I that know, again yeah. um, we haven't mm-hmm. um, have you heard of the idea of someone interpreting the bible as a work of art I have not no like not even as a like a literary analyzing work, it yeah. from a lit- uh, literary literary perspective. perspective. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, but I thought you meant like interpreting, like making a presentation of the Bible as art. No, I'm talking about if the Bible is a work of art, like people. Mm. I think, and I think I to think consider it literarily is to say that it is a work of art or something. You know, like yeah. Um, and I was wondering. I think that I don't really. I think I disagree with the premises of the question so much that it's mm-hmm. hard for me to formulate what it might mean no but i think we could understand what i you think mean. there's yeah, a, the well, there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of people now who prefer to interpret the bible artistically mm. so like a piece of literature yes mm-hmm. i mean maybe i don't I, again okay. i didn't i don't no but because i don't know how any other way you can interpret it artistically because it's literally literature. Yeah, yeah. right yeah. is literature art yeah. yes mm-hmm. okay yeah, I would say literature is art. Um, okay. So, yes, that would be the answer. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it, how do I feel about people doing that with the Bible? I mean, for one thing, I think it's kind of stupid because it has many different authors. <laughs> so, it, it isn't as if you're just reading like a Dostoyevsky My novel. My issue. And so, because it has a lot of different authors, it, it's not really coherent in that way. Mm-hmm. Understanding the Bible as a book, again, is incoherent. It's a library of books. It's a collection of books. Mm-hmm. And so um, just reading it literarily, I think it's weird. I think it's stupid. My so. issue would be, I had it. No, I don't remember it. Okay. <laughs> um, wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me track this back. 
the, how, how did we define art? Art is the pure aesthetic expression of being mm-hmm. without utility. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Bible is either of those things. It's not mm-hmm. just pure aesthetic expression of being. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's rational expression of being, which mm-hmm. is, it makes it not art per se. I wouldn't say it's a rational expression, actually. It's not a rational expression? I wouldn't. I would never think the Bible was. Rational? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I would say you know scholastic it's writings. It's analogical. Are, what do you mean? What do you mean by yeah? Yeah, I would say it's analogical. But it's analogical per se, not yeah, because rational. It's, because they're not making arguments. They're not presenting you inductive or in, or deductive you, reasoning. The arguments you make have to be ex- extracted well, yeah, from. Yes, it, it mm-hmm. does. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so they're, they're, the 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 reason why I think the Bible is important and why the church. Um, put it together and deemed it important is precisely because it is people people can comprehend and share in narratives more universally than they can through philosophical texts Mm -hmm. i think i think philosophers and theologians enjoy philosophical texts but in general the average person going to mass listening to scripture they don't and I don't think they even have the capacity to understand it philosophically. But I think everybody has a, a, an ability to understand narratives. And so insofar as being a narrative, I do think it shares an art. What's very interesting in is um, the pre, I don't know if you call it the pre-Socratics, almost call, you almost call them like pre-proto-philosophers. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the first guy's name? Thales? With Thales, oh, the pre-Socratics, yes, yeah. yes, where they were writing narratively. They weren't actually. So who was writing? Was it Homer? It was, was the fourth Thales? Yeah, Homer was writing narratively, and then there was a, there was a movement of people. It. Essentially, um, they were practicing proto-philosophy in narrative form. Mm. In Homer, yes, and others. It wasn't just Homer. No, it wasn't. But there was at least a few hundred years of rejecting that. And so, when you look at the Milesians, you have Thales, Anaximander, Anaximenes, and um, Fuck, I can't believe I forgot the other one. Uh, anyways, there's another Milesian. Um, so the Milesians rejected the idea of expressing truth in a narrative form, and they wanted to construct arguments. Mm-hmm. And then, then you have you know, the, the atomists, and you have the um, Pythagoreans, mm. and, and there's many of them that didn't ever express it narratively. It didn't come back really until Plato. Because he wrote in dialogues. Yes, Mm -hmm. he wrote in dialogues. Mm -hmm. So even when you read Heraclitus, Parmenides, Mm -hmm. it's not a narrative form. Um, I actually was like, I had such was it? I had such a difficult time writing reading Heraclitus (laughs) because it's like there's like one thing written by him. Yeah, and it's all one liners. There was more written by him, but um, I know I got lost. I know I understand that, but like all we have is like one liners, Mm -hmm. and they're disjointed. Yeah, and. It's obvious that thou- like a couple thousand years of people interpreting this know what it means, but like me just sitting here and reading yeah, this. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like f- Proverbs type of writings yeah. was, was more common during that period. Mm-hmm. But there were there was a long period that... Axiomatic writing? Yes, yeah. yeah. That uh, in terms of narrative writing fell out of popularity after, hom- of the, after the Homeric traditions. And then it came back with with Plato, but then immediately with with Aristotle, he he didn't write in narrative form at all. Right, dialogue. Yeah, and okay. so. Hmm? Next question. Are we done with that? Mm-hmm. So the the Bible's not a work of art. No. 
Jeremy's hesitating. <laughs> yeah, I am hesitating because I think there is. There's an artistic quality to it. Yes, and, I, and an, well, obviously, it is the Bible. There isn't. There is an aesthetic expression of beauty. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. But I, that's I, I, not all it is. I, yeah. yeah I, 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 I just wouldn't say that it's merely that. Yeah. I but I would say it that. is a work of art. Yeah. I think it's intended to be that way because it is a narrative, and, and as being a narrative, um, it, it isn't like a book of morals. It isn't like you know you have to follow these steps and you get into heaven or whatever. It's a as book of most narrative. people interpret it now. Yeah, that's how many people do. But when you actually read it, literally, it's a narrative, right? Yeah. And um, and they have certain. So certain it's a text. gray area. Yeah, I, I think I think it's artistic. I think it, it's it's philosophical. It definitely has artistic elements to it. Yeah, but art is philosophical. Yeah, but I, I just want so to say, it's it's hard to yeah say it's not, but it also is. It, you wouldn't say that it's just artistic. Yes, I just wouldn't say it's merely that. It isn't. But just, express, it expresses qualities of art that. Yeah, and expresses. So one would be correct in observing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Especially, especially reading something like um, Proverbs and stuff like that. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's an Song art of twi- songs. <clears throat> yeah, same thing, yeah. Yeah. Book of Wisdom. Yeah, there's like an artist. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's literally poetry. Yes. And poetry yeah. is art. So like yeah. it's. it's but that, like I said, there's many different genres in the Bible. That's yeah. why. It does, so it's it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and the Proverbs is art. Proverbs. Yes. So Proverbs exactly. is art. Exactly. Yeah. Can we say Proverbs is art? Yeah. I'll say wisdom. But as like well. Tobit is not art. Yes. Well, it's a narrative. It's a narrative. It's a narrative. It's a narrative. Yes. Yeah. It could be again because I, mean, I think the, the, the I, I contrast think, is more with like Leviticus yeah. or Deuteronomy. Those are not. So so this is how those are historical. The reason why I think the question is a bit absurd is that when if you really think about the Bible as being a library of books, it's like asking to me is the Lusak library art? A work of art. It's like well, there's many art in it. Yeah, there's art in it, right? There's these books that are because I'd never really considered that. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't really know that there was a. I don't know if there's a movement or if this person had this one idea. Or like I didn't know if there was like a. Mm-hmm. A pervasive. Yeah, considering think, think, of the art as a. Or the I think it's called like hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just looking at the Bible as just literature, with no real understanding of it as being divinely inspired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think you can still get truth out of it that way because of the way that many of those books are written. But mm-hmm. in other ways, you really can't because, again, it depends which author you're talking about yeah. in the in, in that Bible. Okay. I had to rework this whole thing because a question came in. So I think the next one, and I will say that Trans Regret Snoopy actually asked this one. Is why is it why was it necessary for Christ to die to save to to save us of our sins? Mm. Why was why necessarily was it Christ dying that gave us salvation? Which I think was it, it, I mean, it's a good yeah. question. No, I, I think it's good I'm because try, I'm trying to explain it and not to be too convoluted, but there was there is this um, there is this sense of. Uh, the necessity of of sacrifice of the clean for the salvation of of the dirty, really. Yes. And so well, the salvation the, of the perfect for the imperfect. Well, the yeah. price of sin is death. Yeah. yeah, the price of sin is death, and so the the destruction of that death of of whatever the punishment is so, the death of of the clean. So the, this is why there was always human sacrifices of babies of. Of of kids beheading animals them, that animals were that were clean, mm-hmm. and yeah. there were normally baby lambs. Yeah. It was like it always had to be. 
a clean individual that dies. And 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 when and then when you be and and I think that that's why we have different forms of that in the modern world. I mean that that's what kind of abortion basically is. It's okay. It's so I think we've idea. answered what was dying, mm-hmm. why. So this mm-hmm. I think I really think this goes back to my question mm-hmm. about that we still have an answer. I don't know yeah, if yeah. there is an answer of yeah. how on earth is Christ fully God and fully man and also dies. Like what? Right. Yeah. That how does man perfected and in being perfected experience being god die for sin how it's not just even why it's how does that happen and like which which i think is the most complicated question and if if this project yields any result i think it would be answering that question for me and then after that i'd be like you know like (laughs) now i know and then that's the actual hold up of why go back four questions yeah yeah i know but i mean i mean the the, the how i still think i it would be too difficult to answer right now so why but in terms of the why i think is, is precisely because christ was perfect yes christ christ was the perfect sacrifice is that in, in order to in order to eradicate sin, it, it requires the death of the clean. It requires the death of the perfect one. So, and so he was the Lamb of God. He was the he was the Lamb in which we offered as a so sacrifice. So what? That I'm trying. Well, this is a lot of grammar. I'm trying to organize in my head. I'm trying not to form like a long sentence with lots of like semicolons and stuff. Yeah. A lot of prepositions. Yes, I'm trying to like. See, this is the one question I'm that, to that I wish I saw beforehand because then I could have probably presented. No, I know, but I think I think it's interesting. You know, yeah. I just want it to be like we're asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, then you would have been thinking about it the whole time, and it wouldn't have been you'd been distracted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we've thought about it for days, and then I probably would have at least formulated. This it. wasn't asked to me until like two days ago, a day ago. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of time. It's but still um, a day. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But I do think that's a good question, it's, but, but but I would have to. What about, you'd have to read what, first of all? Well, it, why don't you yeah. just ask my ask, question? Ask your question, yeah. So, obviously, blood sacrifices to God had been offered for... Forever. A millennium before, yeah. a millennia before... And we're before still compelled to do it. Christ, but... What about the sacrifice of the perfect man mm-hmm. is on is ontologically distinct from the sacrifice of an innocent lamb or a child? Why is it distinct? Is it because th- is a baby only in- accidentally perfect and that it hasn't been allowed the opportunity to sin? Mm. Like what's the what about a mm-hmm. lamb? Like why why was a baby because, lamb not the Messiah and a man was? Right, because like in order for one to be perfect, he must be freely choosing in that. Okay, and a and a baby Partaking is not. Yeah, he's rationally yeah. and consciously. Any, any victim and that they would have sacrificed that mm-hmm. would have been pure enough would not have consented to that. Yes, it's exactly, the only yeah. possibility was babies and lambs and whatever. Yeah, like, before right, that was the only because thing. there was no there was no. There was no opportunity to sacrifice a perfect man. Yes, yeah. Right. Or there because was no at the opportunity. Point that you get at the the as long as you're perfect, that's the point that you wouldn't be able to consent to something as mm-hmm. violent as your own. It's the per- the perfect yes, man, yeah. and in being perfect, God had to forfeit 
his own being for the salvation of man. It's like, and again, it's like we literally could sit here and talk about this for two hours. And I think that that might be an interesting thing to talk it, about. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That, so that would maybe be really we need to like hold it in the pocket, but like there's a, it make it makes sense to people who understand what God is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to people who don't know what God is. Yeah. Like no, when, I think it'll be great to have a whole episode about this. So should we save it? Yeah, I think we should okay, save it. Okay, I'll tell one. Transgret Snoopy that we'll have a dedicated episode yes, that. We can yeah. just start off. Yeah. That could even be next week, should honestly. We get a Dominican on for things like this. Yes, I no. know. Yeah, yeah. We're meeting with a guy. I'm not saying anything about it. From what's the publication? Uh, we say? Like, uh, I mean, we, we, we would do it afterwards when we're cut okay, off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Pod meeting. We'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. So we have one set of two-parter questions mm-hmm. left. Okay. Um, are ad- so the question would be, are they, but is it church doctrine that Adam and Eve are literal people? Or are they just analogical? I don't... I think it's more analogical. Yeah, not literal. They're not um, literal people. It's not... Yeah, you... you, you it's church doctrine that the story is real. Logically. Yes, but how it is real, I don't think they I don't think dictate that, that yeah, you say you have to believe it literally. But it has commonly been understood analogically. Yeah. Not figuratively, but analogically, yeah. So, and I'm trying to formulate the question as best I can because it, mm-hmm. it's not a non sequitur because I know what they mean. Mm-hmm. But... Why is it not necessary to understand Adam and Eve as literal people in the understanding of the idea that original sin is real? Hmm. So, in, so in terms of original sin, yeah, like why is original sin real if Adam and Eve if are not Adam real people? Not yeah, real. That's why I saved these to the end because I didn't know. No, no, no. <laughs> it's good, but it's a good question because I think that's a struggle did, did, that people did, yeah, have. But, but, like, but this, this is why I'm saying that it's a church teaching that you have to understand it to be real, but not in a literal sense. But I don't think that contemporary people know what that means. That when you say mm. that, they're like Adam and Eve eating in the apple doesn't have to have necessarily happened to mm-hmm. to necessity like to to be that original sin because i think you're treading on the air on like symbolic language, right which, which is i not don't right. think is correct yes. mm-hmm. which wouldn't be true and so if, if i'm going to put it the way that most contemporary people understand analogical readings normally are within um within physics and so physics are is filled with analogical understanding of reality. And so with, with physics, for example, um, you have uh, electrons, protons, and neutrons, right, um, that are subatomic particles that make up an atom. Now, their understanding is that it is real that, uh, that there, is, there, there are electrons, protons, and neutrons that make up an atom, mm-hmm. but they don't mean that literally. It isn't as if they can't. They can't. Right. They, they, yeah, they, they don't mean that there's something occupying space that we could point and say this is the neutron. Mm-hmm. Now let me put it under a microscope and I could see it. It isn't. It, it, it's an analogical understanding of what that means. When, some, when, 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 they, when they say I, that it's a zero-dimensional object, like they say these subatomic particles have no dimension. I don't think yeah. that the layman understands that as such. Mm. I don't, I really don't. I think that people mm-hmm. really think that these little 
Jimmy Neutron shaped little yeah. atoms are literally like stacked like together. Right, like, just stacked together. I don't think they understand that that's analogical and like it's well, analogical in that our, our brains can only rationalize the existence of that thing if we give it form and shape. Form exactly. And, shape, yeah. and and that's exactly what the what the book of um, Genesis, Genesis is supposed to be is that the only way we could rationalize this is understanding the reality of Adam and Eve. The same way that we could only understand subatomic particles by understanding the reality that it is made up of these parts, even though these parts take up no space and have no dimensions. And so um, understanding that the narrative that way is that we could understand. So the structure of subatomic particles is essentially the leap of faith one needs to take equivalent to the Adam and Eve thing. It is, yeah. (laughs) The understanding of it, yeah. I mean, just tell anybody, imagine uh, an object that has no dimension. Because Protestants all understand it is literal. It is, yes. 6,000 years ago. It, yes, like and, and so it's, it's as if you think the drawings of these circle things floating around is, is literal. Mm-hmm. It's, like, oh, it's not. It's representing But the problem something. is that these people don't do anything to make sure that you understand the distinction between those things. They don't, yes. They don't do anything like, yeah, you can think it's literal, that's fine. It's like, well, yeah. that's probably not if it's that basic. If that's that yeah. fundamental of an idea, it's probably not enough that you just let me walk around thinking that those things are literal yes. little tiny objects. yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing like, uh, like when, when my kids were doing um, physics and they were talking about waves and then they show, show a drawing of waves, like wave, uh, waves of light, right? It's like, well, you know why it's, we, it's you not You know why we think of waves that. as that shape is that's how yeah. they represent themselves on certain machines. We exactly, that's measure. why. Yeah, and that's why I was explaining to them. I was like, no, this is a depiction of it because this is, when, this is the effect that we see with the machines that pick up these things, but they're not actual literal things in the air going this way. It's, it's a representation. That's how people understand them, and there's not enough done to... Yeah. So, so I guess the question is, but do you see that the question is yes. why? And so the reason why it's, it's important is because the church does not deny the reality of Adam and Eve, but it it is not presenting that reality you in a literal sense. As literal. So what does it mean to present, pre- present truth not literally? The same way that, like I said, you, you draw I know, but you're not... That's... You, is is the only possible explanation to offer one that is mm-hmm. analogical? Like, can we not just like say why? Like, you can offer examples as to why the truth mm-hmm. can be presented analogically. Because there's no other way for us to comprehend it. It's so fundamental. It's so fundamental. We cannot and comprehend. It so preexists our intellects. That yes. It's just we, we have to. We yeah. have to demonstrate it analogically. Yeah, and this is why history from the ancient texts were written this way. Mm. Because they it's just say there's no mythological because yes. I really I really don't think that there's a huge distinction between analogical and mythological like right. like technically. yeah there isn't actually no, yeah really. yeah because because even when you look at the theory of evolution I yeah. mean most of that is analogical and mythological I mean the, the, I remember I was watching History Channel one time and, they called um, the primordial soup like, the, exactly not the, mythological yes. about that and, and then they, then they were telling <laughs> narratives of why um, human beings um, have houses and so they were saying like you know when they first grew. Um, legs and they were just walking on earth but they were still kind of like half fish half half animal um, they had predators and so they quickly dug up this hole and then, and then they were hiding from the predators now there is there shouldn't be any ways that biologists is like this literally happened it literally happened it's, like this it's, particular it's, it's as ridiculous as biblical literalism it is yes now. And so the story of Adam and Eve is supposed to represent that same kind of idea. It's that we're, we're presenting what the first man 
um, did, the first man and woman, obviously, but man just human beings, first man did, which was the, um, the, the desire to be gods. And that this narrative is a real story, just, just the same way that the bi- biology is going to say, no, this really is what happened, is that predators was trying to attack them, so they had to build a house. Even though this particular narrative that I'm telling you is not literal, but the narrative's representation of a true reality that, that did happen. And so the story of Adam and Eve is the same way. It's like it, it, it isn't literal that we were back in time so, and we know it, but this is a narrative that did happen, and this is something that really did happen, and it is true, but it is not literal in the sense that this is literally what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. Because yeah. what it sounds like mm-hmm. in a contemporary, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm trying to. And that's why I'm trying that to use we had to construct examples. a narrative mm-hmm. to interpret that which pre-exists in our intellects. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yep. And I think we still do that. Yeah. There, there's, well, there's, we literally have to. Yeah. There's no other way to do it. We can't travel back in time. Yeah. We can't travel back in time to the so whatever story represents that which is real now. Yes. Is, it's still mythological. It's just as mythological as the story of Adam and Eve. Oh, I, and so you're just saying choose your myth, which is extremely union. I think that's literally mm-hmm. like having said that. I think it's what myth are you living or something, literally something he said in his mm-hmm. autobiography. But yeah. pick your myth essentially, which I think is pick a good one myth. of like Jung's best points. Yeah, and I don't talk about Jung much, but like essentially you're living in your in your finite perception as a person. You're living a myth, yeah. and we, we would say myth archetype. Yeah. analog whatever whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. pick the right one and that's yes. essentially what adam and eve is yes yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah and, and because because then that explains it begins to explain everything from that point because that again i think this question could lead to its an entire its own episode like i really like yes yeah good. again and there were some other questions that i will actually i'll bring up when they when mm-hmm. we have episodes to do yeah. maybe we can order them or whatever but like there were some questions that i was like this will take an hour to talk about yeah yeah we don't necessarily have an eight hours to answer eight questions right. but, yeah. which makes it which is cool because we have some very intelligent listeners that like yes, are yeah. getting it yes <laughs> and it's yeah. cool to just be like saying things into a microphone yeah. and it's like hitting people the right way and they're asking the right questions yeah yeah <clears throat> but that was the last one. Oh, was it okay cool mm-hmm. very um, excellent yeah yeah it ramped up went from what music Jeremy listens to to like Adam and Eve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, we're at two and a half hours. Does we need to talk yeah. about anything else? Or? I'm not sure. Unless you have some Are we good? Do you have anything to say? Mm-hmm. We're good. Are we all good to drive? <laughs> Anne-Marie. I ask, <laughs> I ask her making eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> really do we need to do a, a, a block walk? Yeah. I've okay. got a, a ritual thing for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fun. We'll, we'll, we'll talk later. Bye. All right, bye. All right, bye.